Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode, slowly, slowly making our way to episode 100. <gasps> but as you can tell from the title, we're doing something very special. We're doing something mammoth, galactic, cosmic, epic. We're talking about the MCU, the entire MCU, when it comes to the cinematic universe. We're not going to talk about all the TV shows and ancillary things to come, because we'll be here even triple the amount of time that this show is going to be. I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm just saying this at the top of the show. It could be very long. It could be very short. I mean, we could be incredibly succinct in our in our our, our feelings towards it, but I, 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 I'm Chef Goebbeling right now. I did not mean to. <laughs> but as uh, every show, I like to have a guest with me and uh, <laughs> a person who... <laughs> I cracked myself up. This is bad. I haven't podcasted in a little over a week, so it's been a little while to be talking out loud at this volume and this kind of enthusiasm. And the fact that my guest is being very silent right now is making it even more awkward. It's Dakota Weekend. Welcome back, Dakota. I am the Iron Man. <laughs> no, you're the immortal Iron Fist. I am the Iron Fist. <laughs> Not you, me. Iron Fist. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I know. You okay over there? Oh, no, <laughs> I'm as I'm as okay as I'll ever be. Honestly, five seconds ago he was not like this. I stared at him for a half hour. He was completely silent, and now he's just giggles, Magoo. It's like the red light goes on, the monster comes out of me. I'm just saying, unlike a certain other monster that's supposed to come out of a person and help him in this situation at, at hand, but doesn't. We'll get there all the way at the end. Uh, you'll know what I mean. As you, as you can tell, Natalia, we're talking about the MCU is Divinity and Beyond, an MCU retrospective. So let's jump into that right now. <laughs> Okay, so the format is, since we're going to talk about every single movie in the MCU, yes. uh, we kind of gave, at least I had a, an idea of how to keep ourselves uh, not from battling on too long. Uh, I had a kind of process of how we're going to do this. We're going to do 10 minutes on the clock for both of us for each movie. Uh, and so I set up a timer here on my phone, and we're going to start with Iron Man, released in 2008. So, yes, Dakota, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What do you know? And how do you feel about the first Iron Man? So the first Iron Man, um, I did not see it in theaters, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, because when I first saw it, I was like, Iron Man. Oh, this is this is stupid. This is just stupid. <laughs> this is stupid? This is and you're stupid. stupid. <laughs> I mean, it was the same reaction when um, when uh, Batman Begins came out in 2005, where I saw like everyone was freaking out over it. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not seeing it. Why, re- why make a reboot? And then Iron Man came out, I was like... Why the fuck Iron Man? Like, really? And that, so, one, that guy who showed up like, for two episodes of the Spider-Man animated series? Uh, he had his own animated series. I was trying to forget that. Dicks. Yeah, I was trying to forget that. Well, I think I did not bring that up in conversation. But I you watched every episode. Well, who's it fault? It stays with you. That or Sailor Moon. <sighs> Don't bring up Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but um, but eventually after like you know just getting around to it, I did eventually see it. Uh, I think on DVD, and I was blown the fuck away. Oh my god! What this was a great movie when I first saw it, and I, it still holds up as one of the best, better MCU movies out there. And uh, Robert Downey brings it; he kills it. He is, he is Iron Man. He is Iron Man. He's Tony Stark. You cannot, I cannot separate the two anymore. I've recently seen some things with like try to watch a, a Marvel animated movie with Iron Man in it. It's so like hard to get through because it's just not. One, they're not good, and two... I was going to say, most of the Marvel animated stuff has been... Eh, at yeah. best. Yeah. But uh, but you can't separate Robert Downey Jr. from Tony Stark anymore. Right. And when you see another voice actor play Tony Stark and Tony Stark look not like Robert Downey Jr., it's kind of like, the fuck, why am I even bothering? Right. So, yeah, Tony Stark, great. Jeff Bridges as the villain. Um, he played... Uh, Obadiah Stane. Thank you, Obadiah Stane. And he was awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you almost... Created by Denny O'Neill. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, it was something that came about on the Fat Man on Batman podcast, where it was like a three-part interview that he did with Kevin Smith, and like Obadiah Stane uh, was one of his creations, and so like, there was a joke amongst the writers, like, we have, we have, we came up with a few names for uh, Denny O'Neill's new characters, Ubadabadubi, and just like this how uh, ridiculous names that he came up with, like Ray Ghoul, Obadiah Stane, what other <laughs> silly titles you can have for characters, but go on. Yeah, um, we get introduced as Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, mm-hmm. killed it. Um, Terrence Howard plays uh, Rhodey, mm-hmm. which he was he was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I, like sure we Don Cheadle's been Rhodey ever since Iron Man two forward, but it's and it's kind of weird to go back. Like one of the things that comes at least the first few movies before the Disney acquisition, it's weird seeing the Paramount logo yeah. at the head of the movie, and it's weird seeing Terrence Howard play Rhodey ever since ever since Don Cheadle took it yeah, over. And even thinking back to that, it's kind of it's really awesome that uh. After Disney acquired Marvel, the feeling of Iron Man still stuck with it. Mm-hmm. So all the other movies had that same feeling, same like really awesome, like this awesome comic book vibe that now we associate with comic book movies that are kind of um, other studios either want to replicate or go completely against. Yeah. But either way, Disney Marvel's theme is apparent in Iron Man. It sticks with it. And uh, to be honest, the overall plot of Iron Man was great mm-hmm. um how he makes the suit how he makes the um power unit yeah, the arc reactor arc reactor in his chest it was just everything was well done the cgi uh was good um is the best cgi no but it was 2008 so. yeah do you have a like i know people have since the release have had problems with the third act of it like all of a sudden it's just the, it's just the two machines clanging against each other as the climax of the movie some people think it's kind of obligatory and rather not like it's not organic enough like some people have brought them up as a criticism of the movie. I won't know if you feel the same way or no, not. To be honest, no. Um, I mean, it's not Pacific Rim. Let's be honest here. No, but like um, then again, like, <laughs> the first Pacific Rim. Like I know people have problems with it, but I really dug it as, as a guy. You, it like, was really, but it was really appropriate because yes. I mean, Obadiah Stane was taking over the comp- taking over Stark Industries, and yeah. Tony Stark was like, "Fuck that." Yeah, and then it was about between the two Iron Men, right? And then we have also Phil Coulson from Shield and his introduction in the yes. scene as well. Yes, you, gotta, you really got to abbreviate that. Yeah. We're working on it. Yes, uh, because, like, it was so funny. Um, it was so long that you didn't pick up the name of, of – Unless you were, like, a die-in-the-world Marvel comic fan, you re- realized what he was saying out loud. Yeah. It was not until, like, I guess it's 
Until, I, yeah, in credit, like right, either right before the end credits or like in a post credit scene. They no, the it, only post credit scene was with um uh, with uh, Director Fury. Yeah, like I don't know if it's like in this or maybe it's in Hulk or Iron Man Two. They say Shield. Uh, I forget where. I forget, I'm pretty like, sure they mentioned it in this movie because that was a joke. Like the, right, like the, the rule three and the third one was like, oh, we've sorted it to Shield. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, but Iron Man, I mean, Iron Man's still, like, in one of my favorite favorites out of the MCU, so, yeah, it, it was it was that good, and it holds up. I really think so, and it's a defining start, it, good or, for better or for worse, it was the start of the comic book movie uh, fad that's going on. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene in the movie? <sighs> Favorites? Oh, my God, the first scene where... Come on, the first scene where he takes the Iron Man suit out to the, the Middle East and saves saves the village from uh from the uh, radical group there. Yeah, and then him taking like the, the ten t- rings, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and then the tank fires and he dodges it and then it fires and is like pew, it walks away. The explosion, and he's just walking he's right into camera. So good, I, still one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> nice. Uh, I did not see this in theaters like you because it was like Iron Man, really. Yeah. Um, I. I I saw two other comic book movies that summer. One is a groundbreaking one. One is kind of forgotten. One is The Dark Knight. And the other one was Hellboy, The Golden Army. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. I n- didn't see either of those in theater. You didn't see The Dark Knight in theater? No. Oh. Um, and so I was like, okay, whatever. And I just didn't think too much of it because it was like, all right, I was fully entrenched back into DC after a while because I had burnt, been burnt by other Marvel movies that were not MCU, primarily the X-Men movies, because at that point they, the quality started to decline so anything that had the Marvel logo on it and it, and it was not Blade, I was not a fan of, and I was like, I was like oh well, whatever, that, it comes, it goes ten years later, we're still talking about it, um, and I eventually saw it on DVD, and it might have been actually when I was actually away at college, or me yeah, yeah. it's not exactly on the Iron Man coming on like a year after Spider Man Three, yeah, not exactly the best. It was no, it to like a lot of people it's probably not the best timing, but at, but probably for Marvel Studios, well, it was necessary. It was so necessary. Yeah, and Rob J. Jr. kills it. Uh, Obadiah Stane, uh, at Jeff Bridges. I mean, whatever. Like uh, I wanted to like yell at somebody for being kind of incompetent or like being really foolish in my in my presence. I always think at the moment where. The uh, scientist is trying to build the arc reactor for Obadiah Stane. He yells at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, the guy who's yelling at is the kid who plays Ralphie in Christmas Story, grown up. That's really? The same actor. Yeah. And it's like, Tony Stark built us in a cave! I'm with sorry. With a box of scraps! I'm sorry, but I'm not Tony Stark. <laughs> like, like, that's whatever I think of like, when I'm dealing with competent people. That's the clip that goes through my mind. Uh, my favorite moment is actually the first suit he built when he's in the cave. I mean, that, that's a great suit when he's when he fights yeah, his way out. When he fights his way out, because like sound goes out and we we like we hear like the soldiers approaching and like like they go into the room after um uh I forget the 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 other captive there who helped uh, Tony build the suit and he's injured. Um, it was Yusuf Yinsen. Yinsen. Wait, Yinsen? Is that Disney backwards? <laughs> I don't know, it just triggered my brother Andy somewhere. <laughs> Andy DiGenova is just like he probably if he's not listening, he probably sneezed and just like, oh, someone <laughs> talked about Yinsen. <laughs> he's had a chill about the spine all of a sudden. He's probably petting his cat going like oh. Oh! <laughs> the cat like flies, flies off his lap. Uh, <laughs> but it's the one moment where 
he exits the cave and he's he's atop like that hill and all the people are firing the guns on him and it's it's a handheld shot that goes like goes around from an over the shoulder shot to like a mm-hmm. low uh, single shot of the suit and there's a certain grounded reality to it. Sure, it's an iron suit flying around and it's questionable. Like oh, it's like oh, this is within the realms of possibility. Like hell. In Batman Begins, a few years prior, we had a machine that evaporates a, war- a enemy's water supply, yet it doesn't evaporate humans, despite the human beings made up of seventy percent of water. So I'll, I'll like, I'll give and take. I'll, I'll let that slide. Yeah. Um, and I love like you brought up the fact like that there was that that hero shot of him firing the little missile at the tank was in every trailer is the standard, every trailer yeah and it was the one note from the Iron Man that would yeah. as it explodes up, as the tank blows up and he walks away from which, it which ingenious to use the instrumental version of Iron Man during the end credits yes oh my god so like every that was like everyone's like wet dream yeah especially when it punctuates the fact that he just comes out like I'm not because there've been so many stories of like oh we have the secret identity like no I am Iron Man yeah. And well, he was about to, like, give the fake, um... Yeah, like, where he was at the yeah. time, and that he was not involved whatsoever. And that is the timer of that. Uh, one last thing I'll say about it is the, um, the little robot that helps him trying to build the Iron <laughs> Suit. Uh, fire extinguisher. Just the fire extinguisher. And how that plays into Iron Man 2 and in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. And so, all right, we're moving on to uh, another movie that came out in 2008 that I actually already talked about. It's called The Incredible Hulk. If you want to hear my thoughts about it, go to Please Rewind. At, on iTunes, my other podcast, part of the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network. Uh, you can find that show and all the other shows on the network at please at, um, at rf4rm.com. And so, uh, Dakota, you have the entire floor and go. Okay, so I watched this um, my freshman year of college on DVD. I rented it or downloaded it somewhere and everything like that. And I was just kind of like, eh, you know. Did you see, had you seen the 2003 Hulk? No. Okay. But I heard. Mainly negative things about both the Incredible Hulk and the Hulk. Mm. So it wasn't like, okay. But I was like, okay, well, I've seen... What's that? That was 2009, so I forget what I was watching in 2009. But I was it was like, 2008, I think. But, no, when I oh, watched, watched, watched it. It was either 2009 to 2010, something Bye like bad. that. And um, I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just give it a shot. And to be honest with you, I thought it was a decent movie. Mm. Not the greatest movie in the world, but... Edward Norton as Bruce Banner was incredible. Yes. Um, Liv Tyler, uh, she can do almost no harm in my mind. She's just pfft, smoke show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there was the movie did, does have some issues with it. Like they do set up um, like uh, Tim Roth. As Abomination. As Abomination and the fight between the, the Hulk and Abomination. That was like, okay, it might not have been the best choice because it's kind of like um, Batman versus Superman where you have Doomsday as the villain and that. And it's like, well, Doomsday is kind of like the final boss that Superman ever faces. So why the fuck are you using him now? Now, because we already know that there's movies to come. Yeah. But w- at least with the BBS, they, they follow through and they do kill Superman. Yes. But... Yeah. Like in the comics, so at least, like, yeah, but, like, I don't know, Abomination is kind of like an endgame scenario when it yeah, comes to Hulk. Exactly. So it was a little, like, okay. And then, um, but they did something different with this Hulk movie where they actually, like, okay, when he's in the form of the Hulk, like, yes, he has zero control, but he's still in there. Mm. And, I mean, there was that great scene in the rain between Liv Tyler, Liv Tyler's character, Betty Ross, and the Hulk, just sitting in the rain, the two of them, and they're actually kind of connecting that way, where she's understanding the beast within him. Yeah. Everything like that. And 
Um, obviously, the army, her father, General Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt Ross played by William Hurt. A recast who's played Sam Elliott played the same character in the first Hulk. Yeah. So it's just, he he was a little over the top. There was a lot of over-the-top performances in this movie. Okay, to be fair, we are dealing with uh, a being who turns into a giant green monster through camera radiation. Yes. I mean, like... like, Are we really, like, being too much of a critique and being, like, too over-the-top within the confines of this movie? Well, yes and no. Because later on, we do see that, like, even though it gets a little, like, crazy, it still feels natural in the movie. And, like, some of the overdoneness is appropriate. In this one, where they try to make it keep a humane, like, a, a humane hook to it, yeah, it's a little unnecessary. <laughs> like, one of my favorite moments I mentioned in the other podcast is when um, Roth has already gotten the injections yeah. for the first time. And he faces the Hulk out on the field at the uh, ca- college campus. Yeah. He's like, my God, it's working. And you can tell, you can definitely tell that, like, Ross has, like, a hate boner right at that moment because, like, he thinks his plan's going to go uh, <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah. And the joke I made on the other show is that, like, all the Humvees are introduced by hopping over bushes. And I'm like, and I just imagine, like, all right, uh, General, is putting up all these ramps for these Humvees really necessary for our covert operation? Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, all right, then. And just all the Humvees are just, they fly into the, the frame. Yeah. But, yeah, so go on. And it just is, oh. Also, when Betty Ross is just telling her, like, Dad, I know you're in there. Get out here. And, like, the entire platoon is probably like, ooh, he in trouble. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this is, this is happening. <laughs> and then they also, I mean, I think they made, had plans to continue to make another Incredible Hulk movie. Yes. Because they, uh, at the very end, um, Bruce Banner's friend who gets gamma radiation ported down his ear. Uh, in his head, I forget, oh, crap, I forget the, what character he becomes. He becomes the, not, um, I was going to say LeBrain, but like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not the Doom Patrol. We're not dealing with LeBrain. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, oh my God. I hope the guy, because the Doom Patrol is showing up in the Teen Titans TV show that's on the, uh, that's a DC app. So I'm like, I hope to God the brain is the, the, the villain they have to go after against. It's but, not going to have that over the top. <laughs> He's always been French. And so, yeah. And like, it's weird. I was reading Doom Patrol comic and I was just like, and, and the, the brain was in it. Yeah. And I'm like, and I, I had to read it in a French accent. Yeah. Well, he's, he is, is French, French, but like some shows give him a more over the top accent than others. Yeah. As long as it's not like Steve Martin and like Pink Panther. But, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, no, but that brainiac like character is supposed, damn it. What is it? Yeah. I, we brought up on the other show and it's got, I'm going to kick myself. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But either way, like, he, he was set up, you see his head expanding, and they literally do nothing with it. Yes. So it's a little disappointing, but at the same time, you know, I also doesn't, like, um, crap, doesn't uh, Edward Norton refuse to do sequels? He wanted, because he rewrote a lot of the movie. He, he rewrote do, it? He, on the day, a lot of scenes. Um, he has he has a tendency to do that for his movies, and so I mean he's a phenomenal actor, but I can imagine him being very hard to work with. He turns into uh, Samuel Stearns turns into leader. That's who the character is that he's going to be. Yeah, okay. 
um, with the super powered brain dude, like, and everything. But yeah, um, we can't ignore the best cameo performance of Stan Lee. Which what was his cameo in this? So, in the, oh yes, with, with the factory where uh, where, where Bruce Banner like accidentally cuts himself in a few bottles of Brazilian uh, like, like soda soda get contaminated with his blood, and he grabs one, but he doesn't like grab it. He doesn't see the other one, and it just happens to go to Stan Lee's door. Yeah, and he drinks, and it has a react a unknown reaction to it. Yes. <laughs> just like, why is Stanley drinking Brazilian soda, and what what happened to him? He likes, well, listen, well, <laughs> well, true believers, well, true believers. As he won, he won, he loves pure sugar soda. That's why he buys the Coca Cola from Mexico, as in glass bottles and everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, or, or you can imagine like it's a family member, he just grabbed it because it was in the fridge, and it was just unlucky enough to be zapped with some gamma. And to those who want to know my reaction to the gamma blood radiated soda, I was able to project myself from to break the fourth wall. Like Deadpool. <laughs> so me being in these movies, I know I'm in these movies as a cameo. Somebody made a great meme about Infinity War where it's like Thanos with like with his Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And he's like like it says like come at me, bro. And then it's the still from <laughs> Stanley in Spider Man Homecoming where he's in the window. Like, don't make me come down there and talk you punk. Oh, by the way, his cameo appearance in Infinity War was hysterical. As the bus driver? Yes. yes. What, you guys never, never seen, seen an series. alien death ring before? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's tied for me. Like one of my favorite like cameras is actually in the first Amazing Spider-Man when Lizard and uh, Parker have oh, a fight. They're in fighting the, in the background. He's and, listening to the with headphones on. He has nothing. Has I'm no... sorry, that scene was awesome. Yes, that and of course Deadpool when he's the MC at the strip he club. Apparently, hated they, they shot a different uh, cameo appearance for him in Deadpool. And they went with this one, and he did not want want this one in well, the movie. Well, he's probably got, like, family members there, like, young, and, like, all of a sudden, oh, you're in a strip club. He probably shot him in front of a green screen. He did not know where it was. But the, the dialogue that, that went with that. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, way. do you have a favorite scene from Incredible Hulk? Um, Probably the, because it sticks, sticks out of my, my head the most is that scene between uh, uh, the Hulk and Betty Ross. Just connecting in the ra- that rainstorm mm-hmm. after he rampages out and everything like that. So I was like, okay. But obviously that scene kind of feels a little f- – maybe a little forced because of the, how successful the scene between uh, Mary Jane Watson and Spider-Man was in the first Spider-Man movie in the alley with the rain. Right. But and I know – scene, oh my god, so hot. It, well, like the thing is with Incredible Hulk, it's kind of like a sort of sequel to the uh, first Hulk movie. There's certain threads that kind of carry through. Yeah. Um, and so, like, one people, one theory has it for him reacting so violently to the thunder and rain. Because in the climax of it, he's fighting during a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, like, it's kind of like almost like a PTSD thing. That's why he's reacting so catastrophically to the thunder and lightning and yeah. what's going on right there. But it is a nice moment when they both just sit there and they kind of, like, almost, like, hold hands. And, like, while he kind of reverts back into yeah. Banner at that point. Yeah. I, no, I, I really do appreciate it. I really appreciate that scene. Yeah, and do you wish there was another Hulk movie? Did he get another solo movie? No. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think that moving forward, they might do one with Mark Ruffalo, but how much can you do with the Hulk? It's a werewolf movie, pretty much. You're just waiting for him to turn. Exactly, and 
damn it. Uh, no, but I'm pretty sure they might attempt to do another Hulk movie because there's just like, okay, Mark Ruffalo would probably want to do a, a standalone Hulk movie, but I don't know. I don't. I just don't see enough content coming from it. Right. And so our next one is Iron Man 2, if I'm yes. not mistaken. All right, then. On to Iron Man 2, and clock is rolling. Okay, so I do believe I saw this one in theaters. Okay. Because of how successful Iron Man was, it was like, yes, Iron Man 2, let's do it. Mickey Rourke, obviously, was in it as, um, what's his Whiplash. Name? Whiplash, which I know some people don't like this movie. Okay. I thought it was just as good, maybe not, maybe it doesn't surpass our, the first Iron Man movie, but it, it didn't feel like it took a step backwards to me. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I liked Mickey Rourke. I liked how they put up this whole now, like, conflict between Tony Stark and his father, where they don't don't connect and everything like that, and Tony Stark is dealing with the fact that hey, I'm probably going to die because of the stupid thing in my chest. Yes, uh, he's he, his alcoholism is on clear display. Yeah, and he's a wreck. I love that setup. And then obviously you have a guy who went out of his way to prove that. This idea of the arc reactor is not a Stark invention. Mm. This is something that my his father helped create, create along with Stark. Right. And, yeah, it was cool. Um, Justin Hammer was kind of a dick. Yeah, but Sam Rockwell played that really well. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, but uh, obviously him being a lobbyist and everything um, for the government to, for, to help push ha- Hammer Industries over Stark Industries. Mm. Um you know, but I I liked the story. I liked how we saw the the character arc of Tony Stark from the beginning to the end of just completely being reckless to realizing he has kind of being forced to realize he has a lot more to do than sit around and brood uh, and sulk for himself. You know? Yes. So, and I mean, we also get introduced more introduced to Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. We also get introduced to Scarlett Johansson as uh, Black Widow. Black Widow. Um, uh, Rhodey comes back as John Cheadle. Yes. How do you, does that Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, great. He was great. At first, when I first saw him, I was like, who the hell is this guy? What happened <laughs> to the other black guy? Right. What? What? This is Rhodey? What? And then I was like, this guy. Make, they even make a joke about it in his introduction. Do they really? Yeah. Like, Thought you wouldn't recognize me or something like or something akin to that. Oh, something they, like that. Okay. Yeah. So they played up the fact that, that we've replaced the actors. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I liked a lot of stuff that they did in this movie. Um, even though I think a good amount of people just thought it was just kind of a rehash of the first one, maybe a little bit. Right. Um, but I thought it was great. I mean, using the World's Fair in Queens again. Yes. For Stark. Stark, for Stark Expo. Stark much. Expo was awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, you, if you told me we're going to like come over and then we're going to watch Iron Man two, I'd be totally fine with it. Okay, I'd actually be like pretty excited. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, right. I'd be totally up for it. Mm-hmm. And your favorite scene in it? Oh, what is my favorite scene? Uh, I mean, it was a good laugh when um, Tony Stark is building a new arc reactor mm-hmm. to improve his his own. And he's being, like, held under house arrest by S.H.I.E.L.D. And, like, he's going through all his shit to make this giant arc reactor. And, um, what's the agent name? Coulson. Agent Coulson pulls up, the, like, a battered uh, Captain America S.H.I.E.L.D. He's like, do, do you know what this is? 
And Tony looks at it and he looks at it and he's like, oh, oh, yes, yes, put that here, put that here. And then he leverages off to make <laughs> the, the ring more level. The guy's like, what? <laughs> that, that was one of my favorite funny moments. But um, I don't know, the final fight between Whiplash, um, Whiplash and the drones – uh, alongside uh, War Machine mm-hmm. was really cool. I mean, I love War Machine in right. general. Um, so that whole f- the end climax scene was probably my favorite in the movie. Nice. Uh, I did not see this in theaters. I saw this uh, on DVD as well. Um, and it was so weird. Like, I, I love like the introduction to Mickey Rourke's character. I know like people have, like like his father dying, and we realize that like Howard Stark kind of like threw him out and used a lot of his ideas. And people made fun of the moment, like where um, his Mickey Rourke's father dies, and he's like, ah, ah, he screams up to the heavens to do yeah. swearing re- uh, revenge on uh, Tony Stark. Um, and so I do enjoy like the fact that yeah, like that Tony is dying and he's becoming more and more reckless. Mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I think when they're in the Grand Prix, I think Elon Musk is in the background. Is he really? I think so. Oh, that, would be, that would be a cool cameo. For I-, I think it's like it's like him. It's um. Hammer and like Musk are like are at the party like watching the Grand Prix happen before Tony jumps into the car. Yeah, um, I still think that the when Whiplash attacks and chops the Indy his Indy five hundred car like in half. Yeah, and then how Tony has the uh, briefcase the briefcase uh, suit. Yeah, yeah. The, it's it. And the fact that Happy, played by John Favreau, the director of these two movies, mm-hmm. um, tries to take out Whiplash with the car, but the car gets, ends up getting cut in half anyway. Yeah. Um. And uh, I know, like, Sam Rockwell dances in it because Sam Rockwell dances in every movie he's in. It's kind of like the one, it's like a weird thing. Like, Harrison Ford points, Sam Rockwell dances. Okay. Um, and some of the, like, t- tick, like, that, like, somebody's pointed, somebody's pointed out when it comes to actors. Anyway, uh, seeing Black <laughs> Widow in this is, is cool. And, like, I, you kind of tell that Scarlett Johansson's not 100% comfortable mm. in the role yet. She seems a little stiff. Yes. Because I mean, she's playing. She's playing like, oh, I'm this justice assistant, despite the fact that she is a a mole for Shield. I mean, it's a, yes, there, she's a mole for Shield. But they also, if you really think back to it, they. I mean, the comic books have they have a history. They over sexualize her. Yes, she's over sexualized as a secretary, and then even like her takedown moves of like of all the guys. It's over-sexualized. It's a lot of grappling with her legs. Yes. And a lot of twisting and turning over their body. It's very sexual. Right. And then, obviously, her tits are out and everything like that, which, being warm-blooded men, it's not exactly the worst yeah. thing in the world, but it is over-sexualization. Well, even, like, the moment when she's, like, in the hallway with her and Happy are trying to stop uh, Whiplash, like, from, like, within Hammer's company. Yeah. Where she's, like, she takes down all the dudes and then she just flips her hair up. Yeah, like like that's one of the famous moments from it. And Which question for you? Do you prefer her with straight hair or curly hair? Straight. I like later straight. I don't like it when they. I don't like how she she looked like she was wearing a wig in Winter Soldier a lot. Yeah, that was a little too short. Like 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 literally like it was super like, straight. Yeah, that was like curtain straight, where it was like this doesn't look natural. Right. Later, I, I, moving it, forward, was it, it like better. it wasn't too curly in the first Avengers? Like it like it, it wasn't too curly. It wasn't curly like no, in like, Iron like Man her two. bangs kind of curled a little. bit. Yeah, but her, her hair in Iron Man two was like really like it was very curly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, it was. Yeah, I know it's a, like a weird like a detour for her uh, hairdo. Um, it was so funny. I thought that the moment when he's 
in the donut, like on the famous like LA yeah. donut uh, shop. While I was waiting to go see Avengers Infinity Wars, like I just it was a nice day out, so I sat on top of my hood of my car and was waiting for the theaters to like start. Did so you have I, a donut. I wish I had a donut, Damn but it. I felt like that because I'm sitting on the hood of my car, leaning up against the windshield, with my sunglasses on. I felt like in that moment there. Um, it's nice, uh, kind of. It's weird, like how. Howard and Tony had this kind of reconciliation from Howard from beyond the grave because they did not have the greatest relationship. Right. It works within the confines of this movie, yet it's kind of somewhat reset a little bit when it gets to Civil War. Mm-hmm. We, we, or at least it's acknowledged the fact that he did not have the greatest relationship with his dad. Um, we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. Um, the roadie, uh, the war machine and um, Iron Man fight in his house in Malibu I really enjoy. Yeah. I think the climax is a little too quick. I think I would think Whiplash goes out a little too fast. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, I can understand that. And the kind of weird retcon that we see the little kid in the Iron Man ha- helmet and glove at the Stark Expo in Queens trying to stand up against war mach- the, uh, Whiplash's robots and how they retcon that it's actually Peter Parker. Yeah. In, in, Peter, wow. Parker in there. I'm like, Parker. Yeah. I, I went home. Parker! <laughs> Parker! Yes? <laughs> I mean, we watched Spider-Man 2 last weekend. I just... I was... J.K. Simmons as Jake, probably J- should it's cinematic history. He J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson should go down as the perfect casting. Yes, I and mean, like people will say like, "Oh, it's Danny Junior as Iron Man. It's Heath Ledger as Joker." I'm like, no, it's J. Jo- it's J.K. Simmons as Jane as J. Jameson. And that's he, the reason why they don't, they never did him in the the Amazing Spider-Man movies. They knew they couldn't top that. So I'm curious if oh, they should have just brought him back. I don't know how the I'm curious on how they're going to hell to do it in the next Spider-Man movie, like uh, that's I mean, coming out. I, I or if we if we ever see him in the MCU. I don't I don't think we're going to see him in the MCU unless but, we, unless um, we jump a few like because because you can make the argument. Well, James Bond did it with them. That's true. They they restarted and had the same, kept the same M. So why can't you have the same James James Jonas Jameson? And hell, we even have Lawrence Fishburne walking between two worlds because he's an Ant Man and the Wasp, and he's Perry uh, Perry White in the DCU. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> is apparently playing Goliath in the next mm-hmm. Ant Man movie. So, oh, uh, my favorite scene is probably all right. Stop. Is it's gotta be the first Whiplash fight down the Grand Prix, and just that was a good fight. Around. It really was cool. And moving on, that that was released in 2010. So we move on to our next year, 2011, with uh, Thor. <clears throat> so the clock is is rolling. I'll have to say, Thor, Odin's son, protector of mankind. Speak of it. Your destiny awaits. Oh. I, wa- yes. I would love to have that song in one Thor movie. There was one moment in, a, in an Avengers movie that's coming up that could have been used in there. Like, sure, the Avengers theme was perfect, but having that at, or like in Thor Ragnarok would be perfect. Anyway, yeah, Thor, uh, the first Thor. Um, I thought it was decent. I thought it really was decent. It's like, okay, they could do a lot more with this character. Um, true, you had, like, the the trailers were a little misleading when, obviously, he hits Earth, Earth anyway, because I was like, oh, no, this is Earth. But that never that line was never used. He was kind of, like, more of a crazed... State. Yeah, a crazed state. He gets hit by a car in the middle of a sandstorm. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh... I thought the plot was good. I mean, the story, it was totally different, obviously, because Thor is such a different superhero because it takes more place in Norse mythology than comic book lore, which kind of, well, it's very similar, so it blends well. But, um, 
Yeah. It's, this was the first one that I really was watching. I'm like, this is extremely CGI heavy. So that took me out of it a little bit. And then obviously having the set based in um, Arizona, the small town. And you're kind of like, we just went from um, Asgard to this New Mexico town. Like like that. And it's like, this is weird. Like it almost went from totally CGI green screen to completely 100% Hollywood state uh stage right uh sound stage so it was like a little like oh can't they use that real location please mm. um so that took me out of it a little bit but uh chris hemsworth as thor was great was another great casting choice um obviously tom hilson is loki like a thousand panty drops happened overnight um anthony hopkins as odin does and renee russo as um as uh, Odin's mother, I forget her name. Odin's mother, Odin's mother. Uh... Renee Russo? You... Yes. As Frigga. Frigga. Both of them are a fantastic casting. Yeah. Also, most of Thor's, like, like sidekicks and everything like that, his, like, people, they were pretty, they were casted pretty well. They don't have much lines, but you can no. tell, like, okay, this was done very well. But you, well. Know that they're, you know they're not really important, but they, they recasted one of the characters, and nobody, like, really bats an eye in it between Thor 1 and 2. I forget the name of the group. Uh, only one of them still survives. Um, spoilers for Thor Ragnarok. I kind of figured. Yeah. It, it, it's what's-her-name. She she shows up in Agent Sealed once, and I think she's still alive. Jamie Alexander as Sif? Yes. She yeah. is still alive. She's... She's a hottie, so yes. that's why. Um, um, but uh, Idris Elba as, as uh, Heimdall. <laughs> Such a badass-looking character. I wish he did more in Thor, other yeah. than being this daunting uh, protector of the Bifrost. Yeah. You know, he was really cool, though. But, um, yeah, Thor had... Thor was good. It had its issues. I mean, it was, like, a good... It was a, it would have in all intents and purposes a good starting point for building a universe and having a sequel. Right. Oh yeah, Natalie Portman was in the movie. She's kind of important. and still in Skarsgård as uh, the professor and um. Oh damn! What's her name? Is from Two Broke Girls. Um, Cat um, Dennings. Cat Dennings. She was okay. Yeah, and I love that you cannot pronounce Malnir, the uh, hammer. Malnir, yeah. yeah. She goes, Malnir? What's Malnir? Yeah. <laughs> and even in Thor the Dark World, when Malnir is flying around, she sees it at the very, like, Thor! Malnir! Whoom! As Malnir goes flying past her in the in midair. Yeah. Um, it, but it was a cool thing, like, when, like, obviously having Natalie Portman there as being the everyday person, and Thor explaining this to her in this very... And car- kind of like the biggest star amongst the young actors on in that uh cast because she was more successful coming off like the star wars movies and everything. like tom hilson and chris hemsworth were not household names yet. no they were not so but i mean that was really cool like obviously them sitting around the campfire and thor explaining to her like oh in your world there's magic and science and where I come from, it's one of the same. We just never fucking explained. It's never explained. No, it's just a cool line. It's, it's a really awesome line, and it's really like very like character development. But yes, no, it's never explained because obviously, as you move forward, it's magic and science, no matter where the fuck you go. Yeah. So whatever, we're moving on. <laughs> Thor. It was a very like like seven, six and a half out of ten movie. I really enjoy this. I enjoy this more than most people. Like, this is my favorite of the Thor movies more than Ragnarok and Dark World. I know. A lot of people are like, what? 
Really? Well, like, definitely Dark World. We'll yes. get to Dark World. We'll get to Dark World. Um, so, and I love when they think the Frost Giants are the ones that are, uh, are responsible for uh, the uh, opening incident. And so they go to their planet in order to start a fight. And everything seems to be okay until somebody makes a, a comment about Thor. And he uses uh, Malnir and they, they, he ends up fighting almost starting a war between the two worlds, between the yeah. two realms. Yeah. And then he has to be banished because he's so, he's petulant and not worthy of the throne yet. He's not worthy of Thor. You and, are, you're, you're stubborn, arrogant, and a, well, you're an old man and a fool. Oh, oh such uh, a great line. <laughs> there's so many great moments that I remember the trailer for this. It's t- Adrian Coulson doing the interrogation to the Thor. Yes. Which I, I totally glazed over that scene. That was Awesome. When he goes to re- 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 retrieve uh, uh, Mjolnir from the shield uh, base that's kind of built around it. Yeah. Um, one thing is I love when people in New Mexico are trying to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And another favorite of my Stanley cameras is they he hooks up his pickup truck to That was Stanley? Yes. Oh, I never, it, Where he revs it and he rips off the back cab of it. And he, he turns out, like, did we get it? Oh, yes, yes. I remember that part. Yeah. Um, and when Thor comes in, he's tearing ass through the agents, the shield's uh, agents. We get our Hawkeye introduction because he grabs his bow. Yeah, they have a wall out. of like guns, and he grabs the bow, and, and then he, he gets in the cherry picker, goes up, and he has his, he has his bow trained on him. He's like, and he's talking to Coulson. He's like, "We better stop him because I'm starting the roof of this guy who's coming for his hammer, and he can't lift it because he is not worthy of it yet." Yeah, which was great. But I mean, also another panty dropping scene is him trying to lift that, that soaking up. wet you, in the rain. soaking wet cotton t-shirt just sucked him and you see literally every, every muscle yeah every muscle every vein trying to pick it off. i mean there's a no homo that got me he's a, a good, excited. He's a good he was man. A, i will never deny that i will never deny that it got me a little excited i know it did <laughs> and so and then how loki's trying to fight for he's trying to when he realizes who he is that he's actually adopted there was a great video called uh, unnecessary censorship oh okay and where they, they'll put in bleeps into sentences to yeah. make it sound dirtier than it is mm-hmm. where it's loki confronting odin about his uh, heritage where he's saying tell me when he screams like tell me it's <laughs> bleep me and you're an old man and a bloop <laughs> it is hilarious unnecessary sensitive thor it's fantastic and so Loki's is uh, the villain. He sends down the destroyer, the big, uh, the uh, Asgardian robot, to Earth to stop Thor from coming back. Yeah, it's weird. Like like a lot of it's shot in Dutch angles. It was directed by Kenneth Branagh, who's known for doing a lot of Shakespeare movies. And I think he was appropriate for this because Thor is such a Shakespearean character. Oh yeah, very. Especially the personal drama between um, Odin's family. Yeah, and I think it was really appropriate. And I do like I do like that they did the um, separation between the Rainbow Bridge and Asgard to how Earth is. Yeah, the, bi- that, the, bi- Bifrost. the Bifrost itself. And I love how when I remember when this first came out, where like you saw how in the end of the movie when Thor is destroying the Rainbow Bridge, mm-hmm. people like Photoshop like Mario characters, like Mario Kart characters, <laughs> spinning out as they fly <laughs> off. It's a blue shell going firing off into space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is I, I is it has a lot of rewatch value for me? It does. It really does. I mean, it, it's also the first mo- movie out of the MCU that is really like okay. There's a lot of product placement. Seven Eleven was very heavy, Doctor especially Doctor Pepper. Doctor Pepper and heavy. Marvel had like they were like this. They had a, the first Spider Man. Yeah, they had a deal. They had a deal there going. Um, Watching Spider Man two, but it's the pizzeria. 
every drink is a Dr. Pepper drink. I didn't realize. I got over. We watched that. I pointed out. But yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it was a good movie. I, I think my favorite scene in the movie is definitely that scene where he's trying to lift Mjolnir. Okay. Um, because it's just like because the you're, you're rooting for him to to be able to lift it again, but obviously he's not worthy and he fails. Yeah. And the emotion, the emotion that goes with it. Right. I think my favorite is when he accepts his responsibility and he faces down the destroyer, um, even though he doesn't have any weapons. Yeah. And that's when Melanir real recognizes the fact that he is, and like Odin and his Odin, his, the Odin sleep mm. recognizes that he is finally worthy of the throne. Yeah. And he destroys the, the destroyer. He, Demolishes the destroyer mm-hmm. and he transforms into his traditional guard. Oh yeah, which and is Natalie like, Portman is just like, "Take me now!" Just rips her clothes off. <laughs> There's a certain moment like that in the next uh, movie we're talking about. As yes, as we move on, also coming out in 2011, we have Captain America: The First Avenger. Yes, and so Dakota, go. All right, uh, Captain America: First Avenger. I did see this in theaters. I did not have a lot of hope for this movie. Uh, because it's like, oh, what the fuck does Captain America do? Mm-hmm. It was like really like, okay, my brother Zach, he was more interested. He's like, oh, it's Captain America, and like he like tried to read Captain America comics growing up, and he was more familiar with uh, his World War II gang that he went around being the crap out of Nazis and uh, Hydra w- with and everything like that. Right. And, oh, they are the. That's gonna. Fucking kill me. There's probably a million people listening right now. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, it's Dum Dum Dugan or uh, Captain America. And so yeah, Luke. when I when I saw it for the first time, I saw it. It was like one of my first dates with uh, my girlfriend at the time. That's like one of the first dates we went as to see Captain America: The First Avenger. Mm-hmm. And it's something that was it was interesting because you think about it in the MCU, everything was shot in 35 millimeter film up until this. This is when they start shooting digitally, and this is shot in the Panavision Genesis, and a mixture of film and uh, cameras in yeah. there. And did you find the name of the team? No. Okay. Um, but it was like, it was, yeah, it was a, a ragtag group of other World War II guys, plus Bucky Barnes and him, that did the, the suicide missions. Yes. So, yeah. But I remember watching this in theaters, and like the whole sequence of um, where they bust through the windows of Hydra's like facility at the very end that was in every trailer. Yes, and I saw this in the middle of a thunder and lightning storm, and the vi- movie cut out at that point and came back on after he was captured. Oh, it was like really, <laughs> really. And then leaving, you saw a bunch of people like complaining and like, I want my, I want my money back because we didn't see that one scene. And I was like, ah, it's not worth it. But uh, yeah, no. Chris Evans was like kind of like a ga- like felt like a gamble to me because coming off the Fantastic Four movies as Johnny Storm. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, he shouldn't be another superhero because he's Johnny Storm and everything like that. Which I think everyone has gotten over very quickly. Yeah, it's funny. Like somebody made a meme of like the MCU has resurrected bad uh, previous Marvel characters. It was like this. It was Chris Evans from Johnny Storm to Captain America. Then it was. Ironically enough, it was Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm in the Fan Four Stick movie, and now he's Killmonger and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, but um, yeah, no, Chris Evans was awesome, especially like they had a body double for him when he was thin and small, right? Yes, yeah, he was. That was really cool how they did that whole sequence, and then obviously uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Agent Peggy Carter. 
Which that scene where she kind of like just touches his that's, muscles. That's the moment I was thinking about. Like, like, like totally was not scripted. No. And, <laughs> and it's so funny. Like, my grandfather at the time, she would say, like, she was like, she was always getting mad at Chris Evans because of his face. Like, like, like he's giving her the sex face, like, there. Like, why? Like, like of course, that's her reaction to that moment. Like, you want to reach sex out. Sex face? He just literally, his body literally grew another foot and he gained, like, 200 pounds of muscle. Yes. So, obviously, he's probably a little exhausted. So, obviously, he has the sex face on. Yeah. Um, but n- that scene and then, obviously, uh, Tommy Lee Jones as uh, Colonel Chester Phillips. Yes. <laughs> Great. I love Tommy Lee Jones because he's just so dry of humor. Yes. Like, oh, boy. Get- <laughs> Somebody get him a sandwich. Somebody get that kid a sandwich. Um, he's still small. <laughs> what do you think he's willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Which I am beyond the, the Nazi party here. I I I, I ask I answer to a higher power. Okay. A little over the top. But a I, little. Uh, okay, a lot over the top. But but makes the he, his performance is still. <coughs> excuse, me, I'm not coughing facetiously. Hold on. <coughs> Ah, but his performance was, I thought, was still very enjoyable. So enjoyable that can we can we get spoilers out? Yeah, of course. So enjoyable that, like, when he makes his cameo appearance in Infinity War, I along with the rest. But it was of, not Hugo Weaving. That was not Hugo. What? No, because he kind of like on the press tour, he kind of burned bridges that he needed. He was not happy with the movie. Who the fuck played Red Skull? Then it was uh, I forget. It's an actor from The Walking Dead. God damn it! Yeah. Because it was just like, oh my god, Red Skull. Because I went like, oh, I think I verbally went, holy shit. And thankfully, 90% of the audience in Infinity War went said the same exact thing at that exact moment. Oh yeah, like how everybody freaked out. Because like, nobody expected him to return. No. Which, and- but him being cursed to guard one of the Infinity Stones because... That great, great twist. And that, for, I thought that was death itself, because in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, Thanos is obsessed with death and trying to court death. That's his. That's his reason why he wants to blank out half the uh, universe's existence. Well, he showed up too late because Deadpool already banged the shit out of death. That's true. <laughs> and so when we saw like this Reaper kind of character in the Infinity War, I was like, oh, it's death. And then, of course, it turns it, out to be It Red might Skull. as well have been. It pretty much, it, like, like... The embodiment of the Nazi party, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but it, it was a great movie. I mean, obviously, the plot to, like, the uh, the Red Skull to take the war to destroy America, starting with New York City, uh, with suicide bombers, was a great plot, because that kind of must have legitimately been a thought process for uh, the Nazis during World War II, because it's like, we have to get rid of these guys. Right. Um, Toby Jones as Dr. Armin Zola. Great performance. Yes. Oh, my God. And I forget what's his name who plays the doctor who gives Rogers the... Stanley Tucci? It was Stanley Tucci. I forget the character's Dr. name. Dr. Abraham Erskine. Yes. It's his scene the night before the procedure yeah. when they're in the barracks. Yeah. Explaining why he was chosen because he has a heart. He were, you were, you had like nothing. You were still willing to lay yourself down on the line for it and willing, and you're just a good natured person because you give this serum to the wrong person. We get the red skull because of his personality. Mm-hmm. It's very fickle that way. So that's why he was chosen. Yeah. Uh, this is directed by Joe Johnson who did the Rocketeer and it explains a lot as well as October sky because he's like, that does explain a lot. Okay. Yeah. And, and also, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the first one, which I... I Does not re- explain a lot. <laughs> no, but a, a VFX-heavy movie 
it makes a lot of sense. And of course, one of my favorite moments that like whenever uh, if I make an excessive amount of puns on social media, and like my friend Jamie and I like. He's like, we went back and forth, like numerous tweets. And he says, you're not going to give up, are you? And I sent the gif of him when Steve Rogers pre uh, palace in the back alley in the fight. He's like, mm-hmm. I can do this all day. Yeah. And like, that's my personality when it comes to bad humor anyway. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes is fantastic. And Jenner Coleman, who played Clara and Doctor Who, there he's one of the dates when they go to the uh, World's Fair. And, is she really? Yes, she is. I, when I rewatched it a few months ago, I was like, holy shit, there's there's Clara, the clever girl. Huh. David the impossible Bra- girl, anyway. David Bradley was also in. Really? Yeah, he was the tower keeper, so he was in huh. the first scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I really enjoyed this. I know my uh, our mutual friend of ours, Mike Wilson, he has a bit of a problem with this movie because we finally get to Captain America being Captain America when he saves Bucky Barnes and he's leading his squad. Yeah. Um, it's a montage. It is a montage. And he thinks it goes too fast. He feels like that was rushed in order for him to get to the climax in order to lead into Avengers. Having the subtitle of the first Avenger might have been a kind of detriment. Like you could have done another movie of him in World War Two. You could have, yes. And I know it's like one thing that it's kind of like with the DCU, uh, it's kind of confirmed now Wonder Woman 2 is going to take place in the 80s. It's not going to be modern day. It's going to be another period piece. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I'm like, all right, should it be – a modern day story should it be like so the stakes can be high like will Wonder Woman survive if it's a period piece we know she obviously does yes obviously we're not going to kill off these characters in the movies yeah. and everything but like it's just there's a certain sense of suspension of disbelief in those movies and with this I love how the um, when these Rogers is in the Red Skull's car with turbo engines flying after the Hydra plane. Hydra! Hydra! Yes. Uh, <laughs> with the weird salute with the double arms. like Yeah, and all leather. It was like, well, yeah. I, I can see her. This is a very Judas Priest music video right here. Yeah. And I love it when Peggy finally kisses him, and he's kind of taken aback by this, and he looks at Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee Jones says, I'm not kissing I'm you. I'm not kissing you. He jumps on the plane. He stops the Red Skull. He gets tesseracted out of the hell out of there across the cosmos. And he has to land the plane, and it's an emotional scene. I think it, it still gets me when I he's like, "I have to go. We're never gonna. Ha- I'm sorry, I never got a chance to do that dance with oh you." Oh my like, god, I, I think that's I, rough. I think I did cry at that at that point. But not like heavy cry, like, but like shedding a few tears. Yeah, and then how the the broadcast, the radio transmit just goes cuts out, off like suddenly, leave, leaving her. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh my god, so good. And then how it. We see him wake up, and it's like supposedly still in, 19, in the 1940s. But we find out, like, I was no, at this baseball game. Uh, the, the, the baseball game has been broadcast on the radio, and it's actually a shield uh, uh, base in Manhattan. That it's to a help, facade to help him, like, to help break it gently that he's been asleep for almost, Which, almost 100 years. And, and, like, if there's a way, like, to try and compensate, like, not A, sensory overload, and B, you're a man at a time, you run into Times Square nowadays. Yeah. Where it's practically like Disneyland with like all the advertisements around there, and I love the big 360 shot around him as he's trying to take everything in at yeah, once. And Nick Fury's there. It's like, where am I? You've been asleep, Cap. Yeah, and so, and then of course the post credits scene is obviously leading into Avengers, much like how at the end of Thor, it was Loki who supposedly disappeared is actually influencing um, Stellan Skarsgård with the Tesseract yes. already, and then obviously Stanley is a time traveler. 
because yeah. he's one of the generals that was supposed to be Captain America, and uh, obviously well, his well, publicist comes out, and he's like, I, I thought, thought he'd be taller. Well, some people have, have raised the idea that he could be one of the Guardians, where he's just an observer of – not a Guardian, that... or watchers, excuse me, watcher, where he just, he just observes – What's going on around the news? That's why he appears in all these different places. That would be that would make a lot of sense. That's how you at least try to justify of him being in all these Marvel movies. How cool would that be if they if Disney said that's exactly what Stanley is? Yeah, I mean, okay. So Phase One is completed. It's 2012, and the Avengers is here. Dakota. Dun 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 dun. dun. Oh also, Alan Silvestri's score for the first Avenger, and then this. It's like the first Avenger score and Black Panther, like by Ludwig uh, von. Um, those are my two favorite scores. The MCU spoilers, yeah. But Avengers, go. Uh, yeah, I saw this. Did you see this with us, or did? Uh, I saw this multiple times in the theater. You have to remind uh, me. Zach and I saw this. I believe opening a night up in Hamden, Connecticut. I don't think I did. We saw it with one other person, but uh, no, that was on Swego when I saw this okay. the first time. Yeah, so Zach and I saw this when we were at Quinnipiac, and. It, uh, I was blown away, to be honest with you. There was a lot of anxiety leading up to this. Like, how can they have this star-studded cast kill, like, do this? Like, honestly, how can they? Um, I thought it was awesome how they opened up with, hey, uh, Mark Ruffalo is Bruce Banner. And Scarlett Johansson went to find him. They had that weird connection there, yeah. too. Uh, which is obviously played out in Infinity War again, where they have this kind of like emotional connection to each other. But Mark Ruffalo, I was like, seriously, Mark Ruffalo? I don't buy it. And then we're watching the movie. It's like, I'm totally buying this. <laughs> he is amazing as Bruce Banner. And then and I freak Jack out. Clarkman, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner? I don't buy it. Go on. But like that mo- scene, just in the opening scene where uh, Scarlett Johansson talking to him, like kind of like playing like, uh, like, you know, trying to like, deceive him a little bit of why she's there and everything like that and he just like you know i really appreciate it just stop lying and she pulls out the whips the gun out and points at it and he's like see now can now we can you cut the bullshit like essentially can you now cut the bullshit and that when it cuts that close-up of her tears in her eyes thinking that she's about to die yeah which eventually gets replayed again when they're on the um the helicarrier the helicarrier which helicarrier was awesome Okay, when it got to the helicarrier scene, when Rogers met up with Hulk and it lifts up in the air, I did have a kind of like call of bullshit moment. I'm like, really? Is this is this is where we're going? Like, I had no problem questioning the fact that Thor like traveled through dimensions to get here. That I, I didn't bat an eye at. However, seeing the helicarrier fly, I was like, oh boy, I guess this is the level of discourse we're going with. Yet, I, I had no problem questioning the man who turns into a giant monster or a man who frozen at yeah. time. Uh- with no muscle deterioration and atrophying. He, he was superhuman. So, yes. Yeah. Um, or the man in the giant iron suit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had any question. I, but them come, come, coming together, obviously Loki trying to take over the world and everything like that. Of course! <laughs> and obviously he starts in Germany trying to get those people to follow him. It's like, really? Germany? Didn't they suffer enough with a bunch of ty- tyrannical rule? That's why I love that line where Cap confronts Loki. He's like, last time I saw a man standing over people in Germany, we had a disagreement. Yeah. Which, the, but, obviously Thor coming to, uh, was it Thor or was it Iron Man that first captured Loki? Thor captured Loki. And- no, no, because no, no, Iron Man shows up, blasts him with his the hand uh, cannons, and then... Him and oh, Thor Sudu. and Iron Man. Thor go. shows up on the Quinjet, 
yanks Loki out of there, and then they, Iron Man and Thor have their fight. Yeah, and then obviously Captain America with his uh, vibranium shield blocks. The, yes, blo- like the as, hammer as, as she was gone, we realized vibranium is the strongest substance in the MCU. Sorry, what even- happened to his shield? We're going to talk about this later, but I really want to know what happened to Captain Captain Shield. Between- it's probably in a it's moth box, uh, in mothball somewhere. Okay, because he drops it in Civil War, giving it back to Tony. Okay, because I was wondering how did he? I forgot how he lost it. We'll yeah. get to Civil War when we get down we'll the line. Yeah. But uh, this movie really worked, and then obviously the alien invasion coming. Mm-hmm. Then later we learn that it was it's part of Thanos's army. Yeah. Um, that whole fight scene in the city was great. I had my little, like, okay, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, he's like, okay, he's super powered, but he's still a dude. Yeah. Hawkman, kind of a dude, but he has, like, a little badassness to him. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Black Widow's Black Widow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the Hulk being the Hulk, Hulk smash. Yeah. Which is a great line. Hulk, Smash. Big <laughs> grin. And he leaps, <laughs> leaps action. Out. Which, uh, but that did lead into like one of the worst lines of that movie. It's like, how can you call on Hulk? Here's the thing. I'm, I'm always, always angry. angry. It's like, come the fuck on! Yeah, it's a neat ret- retcon. <laughs> I know. Um, but, yeah, when they, when, um, obviously Loki's, uh, staff influencing, uh, Bruce Banner on the helicarrier and like eventually causing him to turn into Hulk and freak the fuck out. And then him versus Scarlett Johansson, uh, Black Widow on the helicarrier and everything like that. It was awesome. Um, obviously the final fight scene with the aliens and stuff and Captain America being CGI shadowed, killing aliens in New York City. That was a little like, eh, this is a cop out. What do you mean? It was a cop out. I felt like with Captain America, he didn't really do anything. And when he did stuff, it was clearly a double and they kept him in shadow. Well, uh, the biggest problem with, I, with Cap is his costume in this one. I think his oh costume is the it's, worst. It's over the top stupid. Is like This is the worst costume of his in the MCU. And obviously, they rectified that when it came to Winter Soldier. Thank God. Kind of, well, he gets that suit back in Civil War. Well, no, he... he no, or it's like, a variation of it. Yeah, like, he, we have his World War II one. Yeah. We have the Avengers one. And we have this... We have the Winter we Soldier. have the covert one in yeah. Winter Soldier, and then he goes back to the World War II one when he faces Bucky off in the helicarriers above Washington D.C. Yes, okay. And then but, we have like the covert one again in Civil War. Then his new because his outfit in First Avenger would be when he first meets uh, Red Skull before he becomes the the Captain America. Yeah, was really cool with, with the, the jacket, the helmet, the World yeah. War II jacket, and then the outfit underneath. That was cool. Obviously, right. this is really rough. Yeah. Um, it's very vibrant. It's very, very blue. Yes. And, okay, so with me, when it comes to the first, Avengers, uh, the first Avenger movie, I saw this. It was my last day of classes in SUNY Oswego at the end of my first semester. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, last day of classes in the spring semester, there is an annual tradition called the Bridge Street Run, which is, like, majority of the bars are in this one long street that runs through the city of Oswego. Right. And it's a big bar crawl that everybody over the 20, age of 21 – quotations uh um uh it takes part of now the only times it was being shown like after a certain hour around like seven o'clock was 3d showing in oswego my buddy jd and i did not want to see in 3d so cicero which is about a 35 minute drive south from us so 
JD gets finished with his radio show. We jump in his car. We fly all the way down to Cicero. We get in the theater with our tickets already bought. We find two seats. We get in there as the cre- the trailers are rolling for before Avengers, and it's like we came into the middle of the Dark Knight Rises trailer. I'm like, oh, whew, hey, we saw some big screen, and so Avengers unrolls in front of us, and is it's one of my greatest movie theater experiences seeing it okay. for the first time. I, I was so gobsmacked, but I was so elated. There was I was like almost lost for words coming back. I'm like, wow, that's how a comic book movie could be done because. Ever since the Batman Begins a Dark Knight, mm-hmm. every comic book property tried to be dark and serious. Yes. Avengers remind us that A, team-ups can work. It proved that team-ups can yeah. work. And B, it can be a vibrant and glossy kind of movie. And could be funny. Yes. Because Joss Whedon knocked it out of the park with that. Sure, it's, is it a simple plot? Yes. Yeah. But it works for that. And with the confines of the movie, the Battle for New York, that, the third act, is one of the best pieces of comic book movies being put to screen. Yeah. I, I feel like the construction of it, of the stakes that happens with the intentions and the obstacles, the jokes in there, like where Hulk comes up against Loki who tries to berate him because he's a yeah. demigod. I and, am a god! And and boom, 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 boom. Beauty god. <laughs> uh, him punching Thor out of the uh, frame after they destroy the Leviathan that goes crashing into Grand Central Station. Yeah. The tie-in shot that goes through all the Avengers throughout the city. Yeah. Um... When Iron Man flies through one of the Leviathans after quoting the uh, the tale of Jonah. Um, yeah. I like the fact that this also gives Tony Stark a little PTSD. Yes. Like, holy shit. Like, oh my god. this Is this the real meaning of being an Avenger? Like, being an Avenger. And he, he never is like, Captain America, he's a soldier. And Tony Stark's like, no, we are not soldiers. We are our own individual people. Which is leads up. And he's willing to he's willing to sacrifice himself at the end and stop a nuclear warhead from going off in the city and sets it up into uh, the cosmos that blows up and kind of like Queen Bee thing once that destroyed all the other Tatarian uh, villains die. Yeah. Some people thought it was cheap, but like otherwise the movie goes off another six hours as they try and clean up the rest of the city. Yeah. Um I probably my favorite scene is probably the one you said. It's wet it's the scene between Black Widow and Natasha for the first time in that little village. Yeah, for some reason, like that scene gets me, and that and that 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 I still jump at. Yeah, um, because, yeah. I mean, I can't say how much I love Mark Ruffalo in this movie. Right, and this is when the first movie, first MC movie, that went fully digital in its cinematography, and some of it, like watching it, it looks it's like, God damn it! I'm so still that, talking. I have a lot to say about it, this. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a little more time for this one. And so it looks like some people say it looks a little too TV. I mean, the fact that it's not in widescreen, it's in the one eight five frame, mm-hmm. and it's like very like it's very bright. Like the yeah. lighting is it's not like low what they call high key, which is like a lot of comedies where it's a lot of light. There's not a lot of shadows. Yeah, there's something low key, which is like usually like one light and it's a lot of harsh shadows. It's very high key lighting, but especially when you're on the helicarrier when all the Avengers are arguing because of the the Loki uh, staff, Loki staff, them, and so I also like the one Shield agent uh, playing uh, Gattaca. Yeah, Gat- Gattaca. <laughs> Tony Stark calls him out, and he immediately goes back to it once everybody walks yeah, away, which is like the plot of the movie. Exactly, Space Invaders. Exactly. So, and then Agent Coulson dying, and that's what brings everybody to quote together. dying. <sighs> They bring it back for Agents of Shield. I have not watched Agents of Shield. But Neither yeah. have I. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be decent. I heard. Yeah, I heard when it gets the Ghost Rider. I heard it's pretty well, as well as the Fall of Shield after the events of Winter Soldier. Anyway, 
Final Thoughts on the Avengers, the first one. It was it was so good that it, it it's so good that I was afraid that like it would be hard to top. And which so people, we'll talk about. Yeah. And so we get to our next movie, it's Iron Man Three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and this is all you because I still have not seen Iron Man Three. Okay, so I really enjoy this movie. I remember because I was still in Oswego at this point, and the cool thing is about the theater in the in the city is that it had to be closed by midnight. Really? So midnight showings would happen earlier in the evening. Okay. So it was a seven o'clock showing, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like almost like an old. It was like a theater house, so it was like you like you had this huge like kind of like um, stadium sitting with a stage, and then that's where the screen is. Okay, like and almost like it could, like Broadway shows or like stage shows were done there. Yeah, and so it's every it's every kid in the college, like who's like diehard to go see this. Everybody goes to, goes to see Iron Man. He's suffering from the results of the PTSD from. The events of the Avengers. Right. Shane Black, who co-wrote, oh, wrote Lethal Weapon, and he did, like, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, which is another Robert Downey Jr. vehicle that was really good, and The Nice Guys, which that came out two years ago, which I highly recommend. It's hilarious. Okay. It's, it's Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe in the 70s as private eyes. Yeah. And they're both kind of idiots. It's, okay. Um, and so it has a lot of comedy thrown in in, in in that. And it's kind of the same thing with this, where Tony Stark has like almost like a kid's sidekick after the fact. Happy is injured by these kind of uh, suicide, uh, not suicide bombs, but like people of Mandarin, like the descendants of Mandarin. We find out that Ben Kingsley is the Mandarin, quote unquote. Yeah. He's actually just a face fit guy. Pierce is the actual Mandarin. Okay. And the funny thing is Guy Pierce is, um, he shows up like he's like, greasy hair and like glasses like messed up teeth and he's walking with the kid like hi tony how you doing like it's kind of like almost like a a satire of like comic book like fans and like tony Stark. it starts off in 1999 years ago where we find we see yen said alive and when tony stark blows him off (laughs) sorry (laughs) disorder thing about that fantasia episode is still making me laugh um and opens up with um hey tim yeah. Did you know that Yid said is Disney spelt backwards? <laughs> and he's getting fired every time I hear it. Um, so this is set in 1999. Like it has like the Marvel logos. Then you hear uh, blue double D double da by oh, FL65. That's how it opens up. And so everybody starts chuckling in the theater. Like, oh my God, that's the song they start the, the movie off with. Yeah. Um, and so Happy's injured by one of Mandarin's people. And so... Iron Man gets in front of a camera, and he calls out the Mandarin, gives him his address, and a person from Tony's past, a woman who shows up who he spent the night with, Him, her and Pot, Pepper Potts are having a, a scene together. What, Rebecca Hall, played by, uh, Rebecca Hall, who plays Maya Hansen? Yes. And that's when, very much like in Lethal Weapon, the first Lethal Weapon, where a helicopter attack on a funeral it comes up to a... A cliffside house. Mm-hmm. Same thing in this. A cliffside house of uh, Tony Stark's house where he gets missile launched. And, and this is when he's using the extremist uh, armor where he's using the armor to come flying to him. And he's been – he's an insomniac. He cannot sleep because he just has nightmares about it. So he just built like 42 more Iron Man shoots since the events of the first Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's incapacitated after saving Pepper. And the suit takes him to Memphis, Missouri. Um, where that's where like the the trail, where all the stuff that's going on, the Mandarin leads him there. He befriends the kid, and it's like kind of like, oh, we'll put him with a kid. It'll expose his like his humane side. 
and there's more time of Tony outside the suit than in the inside the suit. And then we find that Ben, King, ben Kingsley is just an actor pretending right. to be Mandarin. And it's kind of done in a comedic way. Like he, we get into to, we get into the manor's lair, and Ben Kingsley walks in with his British accent. Woo! Don't go into the bathroom like that for a few minutes. It is pretty bad. And everybody's like, I felt the feelings of the theater shift to like, hey, we're going good. Wait. That Mandarin's not Mandarin. Guy Pierce is actually the Mandarin. And yes. And then, like, her, that the president is kidnapped. Mandarin has, is holding him hostage. Pepper is supposedly killed, yet she has some of the Mandarin stuff in her. I forget how that happens. It's been a while since I've seen it. So Pepper Potts saves the day at the end. It saves Tony after he destroys all of his suits. Okay. He finally gets the arc reactor taken out of him, and he has the surgery done. He doesn't. He blows up all of his suits. He does not need to be. He doesn't need a suit to be Iron Man. He is Iron Man through and through, flesh and blown. I enjoy it. I know a lot of people have a problem with it. A lot of people have the comedic problems with it. I think it's an okay movie. Well, just from hearing it, it sounds like very tone, conflicting it's, tones that are going on. Yes, and it's weird that like. Because it it has some of the greatest, like, Tony Stark snarkiness thrown right. in there. And the fact that, like, at one point where the kid's trying to get him to stay, like, and it's cold out. Because it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Because it's a Shane Black movie. Of course it takes place in Christmas. Of course. It came out in May. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, and so, like, Tony Stark gets into a car. And the kid's like, no, can't leave. I'm so cold here. Like, oh, no. Do you know how I know you're cold? Because we're connected, like you said. <laughs> just drives away, leaves the kid in the street. Like, like it's such a dick move. Oh, but it's really funny in, in the confines of the movie. Um, Don Tito gets to do a lot more as War Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, War Patriot. That's what he, he, has, he he's rebranded temporarily for this movie. Because they didn't think they thought War Machine was too combative. War Patriot doesn't make any sense. I, at least I think, I think that's what the hell he was called. Or Iron Patriot. Iron Patriot. That's what it was. Iron, okay. Iron. Okay. It's War Machine. Yes. Let's not split hairs. It's fucking War Machine. Yes. They thought it, it was. It was a focus group thing. They thought it was too much. Fuck for, the focus group. I know. <laughs> Is the focus group your target audience? No. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but the sur- charts say, "Oh, give a shit." Fuck the charts. charts. <laughs> nah. Yeah, uh, it feels like charts are allowed to decision making process in these movies. Yeah. Well, thankfully, uh, we'll, we'll see. It 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 do- I was going to say, thankfully, it doesn't affect affect movies moving forward. It does affect movies moving forward. I'm not going to lie. Um, but anyway, we'll get to those. Uh, favorite scene in Iron Man 3? It might be the end when he finally gets the stuff taken, the, the arc reactor taken out and the surgery done. Okay, I did not know this at yeah. all. I did. I thought he still had that in his chest. No. And at the end, he's staying on the, the rubble of what his, um, the Malibu house was. Mm-hmm. And the arc reactor, he just tosses it into the ocean because he does not need it anymore. Like, if you, if Iron Man never came back, this would have been a perfect send-off for his character. Right. But it's like, like he blew up all the suits. It's a sign that he's done with being Iron Man. He's back in Age of Ultron with all those suits. Yeah. So, it's, ne- it's like, he's never going to go away or anything. No. But, but um, but obviously, I I, ha- I fully admit, I have not seen this movie. And from the people, Tim, you're the only person that gives it kind of like a positive review. Really? Mostly everyone say says pretty much it's not worth seeing. You're better off not seeing it. Skip it completely. So I almost feel, and someone even compared it to uh, X Men Three. That's that's harsh. That's really <laughs> harsh. I understand Three is a tough one. Uh, 
is a tough movie to land. Yeah. If Marvel has issues with third movies. Do Most you really think about it. Yeah. I mean, Name a Return of the King. I have issues with Return of the King, to be perfectly honest with you. Really? Yeah. We, do we have, we have to do a Lord of the Rings podcast? Yeah. Well, we're gonna, how I my plan was we break it up like how the DVDs were. We do each movie in two parts. It'd be you, Justin, and I. It'd be two. Yeah, it'd be six yeah. episodes to cover the trilogy. But um, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. No, they compared it to um, X Men Three. If the worst, uh, if not X Men Three, then Spider Man Three. It's not that bad. I, 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 it was also one of the biggest openings of all time because it was coming well, off the the yeah, coming the off the fucking uh, Avengers. I mean, it's really you. You could have. I mean, it was a you essentially could have slapped. This is shit, man. Newest Avenger. I, I know. And people I, would just d- destroy box offices. Well, when we get to certain certain movies in the in the MCU, you could have you could have, you could argue like that was the thought process going in here. Like we could slap our name on anything, and you'll come out to see it. Do you mean like Thor two, the Dark World? <laughs> <laughs> Which is possibly the one of the weakest movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I have seconds left on the clock. I I said everything I have on. Uh, all right, so then we move on to Thor: Dark World. It also came out in 2013, in November 2013. Dakota, your feelings on Thor: The Dark World? So I saw this in theaters. This actually has a higher rating than the first Thor movie. Somehow, I find that very questionable. Thor, Is Thor that, are you looking at Rotten Tomatoes? It's on uh, IMDb. Huh. Thor one has a 6.9 rating. This has a 7.0 rating. That's really hard to believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- so Thor, the dark world I saw in theaters, it was on a date. I honestly cannot remember who I saw it with. Yeah. Cause this is when you were doing online dating pretty hard at this time, right? It must've been never take, never do a first date online on, uh, never take a first date to the movies. Why is that? Cause you don't, can't talk. Well, that's when you get something, you get food afterwards or coffee afterwards to talk about the movie. That's why maybe people say dinner and movie. No, it's movie and dinner. That's the correct process of doing things because you have something to discuss over a meal afterwards. Though I did hear that it's like you don't talk about – if you're leaving the movie talking about the, like the movie, it's you don't have anything to talk about and it falls apart. And that's why I'm usually kind of quiet when I leave a theater Yeah, because I'm usually processing and the more – Diverse of a movie is I'm like I, I can be fucking silent until the next conversation. Like when I saw Tomorrowland, uh, Vicky and I are sitting there, and she's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just thinking." Mm. And it's been like the next 25 minutes, just like thinking to myself. But yeah, the, 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 this this conversation is proving how good of a movie Thor: The Dark World. I was going to say, yeah, Thor: Dark World, Malakade, the Dark Elf, played by Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor. Yeah, which to be honest with you, Malakite could have been really good. Yeah, he really could have been, but they're like, eh, he's just a villain. Yeah, he's after the oh, another thing of the ether. He's the, after the ether. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, Thor, he is. Um, he returns to Earth to bang the living shit out of Natalie Portman, who's going on a date with what's his name from the IT crowd, the Scottish guy, who's uh, hilarious. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that didn't work in this movie. Um, Stellan Skarsgård's a little loopy. He's running around naked on Stonehenge at one point. Y- yeah. I mean, I guess... Um, I remember a lot more of this movie than I, than I imagined. What's they, they mentioned in Infinity War, the blue cube. The Tesseract. Tesseract, thank you. Had a, a negative effect on the... On his... Uh, on um, Dr. Uh, Selvig's mind. Yes. 
So that okay, makes sense. But it's not a memorable movie. No, I, the most memorable moment in there is when Malachi invades Asgard, and he. Which, by the way, talk about bringing a, bring a, a knife to a gunfight. Literally, it was like, what the fuck are what are the Asgardians doing? They, they no have pro- zero defense. They had no projectile weapons. They had a catapult, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we have the moment when uh, Thor's mother defends herself. Yeah. And when she dies and she gets the Viking funeral. That's yeah. the only emotional moment in this movie. No, actually, um, Loki's imprisonment, when he tries to lie to his brother that it's not he doesn't he's not affected that he shows his real emotion his cell is torn apart and he's disheveled yeah it's like in that connection because yeah they are brothers they do care for each other right. even though they hate each other most of the time <laughs> he killed 80 people in two days he's adopted <laughs> which people got some people got <laughs> shitty about that afterwards like oh really you gonna get you gonna get find that be uh, upset about that fuck off sorry but um no, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. I didn't really, I this movie really like maybe stop start hating Natalie Portman in general. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't gotten the, the, the sense from it thus far, people, um, no, she was just kind of like, I mean, I even joking. This is really Natalie Portman throughout the entire movie. When is he gonna come down here and fuck me? I don't think. When is he coming back to fuck me? I don't think it was like that. At least I never didn't read it like Dude, that. Dude, they end I know the that. movie with her just standing, sitting in her kitchen, fucking playing with cereal, waiting for him on day's end to just come. In more ways than one. <laughs> and then the final cuts after credit scene is him zapping to Earth just to like make out with her. Make out with her. It's like that's all she was waiting for. Yeah, they kind of written her into a terrible character. Yeah, and then obviously when and she... we know Natalie Portman can do other work, she she she's done best stuff out of this movie. Look at Black Swan. There, you could um, be for Vendetta. There's so many movies that Natalie Portman uh, is yeah, a fantastic actress. Yeah, I'm not actress, taking but... that away from her. It's just her character in this movie really sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think we never brought her back after this. Yeah, I mean, uh... And then, like her also being brought to Asgard to be like to help her like medically heal after being stabbed by the ether or something like that, or the ether infused in her, and they're performing their magic science on her to cure her, and she's like, "Is it a blah 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 blah?" And they're like, "No, it's a na 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 na." And she's like, "Well, does the na 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 do blah 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 things?" And they're like, "Yes." And then she goes, "So it's a blah 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 blah." It's like, fuck you, bitch. You're trying to save your goddamn life. There's a shift in tone in the movies that I'll get into in a little bit. But, sorry. So, oh, <laughs> I saw this, yeah, much like, uh, um, I, I, I saw a lot of most Marvel movies with my my girlfriend at the time. And so we saw this and then we walked down. We're both like, that was a movie. That was, that, that was a thing we paid money for. Yeah. And so, like, it was like that. It's in also, one ear, out the other. It's just also one of those things where it's like Odin's talking to Thor. So, when are you going to choose a wife? Oh, I like uh, Jane Foster on Earth. How about your bitch sidekick? He's <laughs> like, no, we're just friends. It's like, I'm fucking Odin. You marry that that woman now. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, is this really what the movie's going in? 
And like the, the direction is kind of is like lazy. And the guy who did it is like mostly from TV. He did a lot of like Game of Thrones and everything. He did Terminator Genesis. So yeah. Genesis. Akuma. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, and like I was kind of like, oh, that was the thing. I like I may have seen it twice. I've not gone back to it. There are certain funny moments, like when they're going from one world to the other. It's it's Loki, um, Jane, and Thor, and it's like ta da <laughs> when they go from one world to the other. Yeah, uh, Odin um, disappears, and then uh, Loki takes the the throne as Odin. Yeah, like that's like kind of like it's he's the end of it, and then how they they give the ether to the collector. Yes, which this movie did help set up Guardians of the Galaxy very well. Yeah. From the look of Malachite and his army to the Collector. And then, well, of course, like, in the end of the Avengers, we see Thanos for the first time. Yeah. And obviously it's paid off six years later in this year. Um, yeah, it was just one weird thing. Like, I love how, like, we, we in the first Thor, we saw the Infinity Gauntlet in the uh, Asgard. Mm-hmm. In Thor, Ragnarok, um, Hela, or um Thor's sister says it's a fake and knocks it over, and because people, because the end of Age of Ultron, we see um, Ultron um, uh, Thanos get his gauntlet, and puts it on, and says, "All right, I'll do it myself." Okay, and so because people are like, "Wait, how is that kind of?" And so they kind of retcon that in uh, Thor um, <clears throat> Ragnarok. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? Not to be honest with you, no. This was such a disappointing movie that I can't even think of a po- like too many positives. I mean, this is probably my lowest movie, like my lowest ranked movie that I've seen. More than Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk. I, I liked parts. Okay, of, right, right. I like Incredible Hulk. As, like, I what did I give it? Like seven, seven star, six and a half star. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a four three star movie. Okay. This is the bottom of the barrel. This was yeah. literally shit, man. <laughs> it is your view. Look to... up in the sky in the toilet bowl down the drain. It's shit, man. <laughs> this is your view to kill when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. If I was going to equate it to James Bond terms, Roger Moore face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite scene is probably. Thor's mother's like funeral. I think I think that's a nice moment. I love. It's like, so bad. I don't even remember that. Yeah, because <laughs> I think I've only seen the movie twice. But I think that was like the lowest, longest, last thing that's going. As well as like one of the creatures, like Malachi's, like monsters are running around London mm. at the end of the movie, and it's like, well, that's paid off in like Agents of the Shield. I think that's how they were kind of solved that issue. They yeah. don't even do it in a movie. But, I, I just feel so bad for Christopher Eccleston because you see him trying. trying. And it could be a really cool villain for Thor. Not in this movie. Yeah. It's almost like I really want to give him another shot of being a villain because it's not his fault. It's it's really just trying to capitalize on Avengers. Yes. And and it, just... Yeah, it just felt so, way – like this movie was just way too rushed and not realized fully. Yeah. But the good news is – we go from the bottom of the barrel to arguably the top. Start at the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> Start at the bottom, bottom now we're here. here. Now we're here. Captain America's The Winter Soldier. <sighs> After you.
Okay. I was super hesitant about this movie because of how bad my – how, like, I didn't see Iron Man 3 and I thought it was disappointing. And then, obviously, the dark world was the darkest of places ever. Um, so, yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier. I was like, okay. I uh, Okay. Whatever. Let's let's just give it a shot. And then I saw like the black suit, and I was kind of like, uh, at first I was like, that's kind of stupid looking. I was not going into this movie with the best uh, best feelings. Let's just put it like that. But obviously, I saw it in theaters, and I love this movie. It is so good because it's not your typical comic book movie. It's more of a espionage thriller movie. Yeah, and it ties Hydra back into it beautifully. Going back to the roots of Captain America, and then you get the Winter Soldier, play, who is Bucky Barnes. And that was even cool, because you know who he is. Everyone knows who he is. And Everybody then, expected he was going to come back as the Winter Soldier anyway. Anybody who knew the comics lore, when he disappears at the end of the first Avenger, you're like, oh, he's not done. He's back. He's yeah. back. Yeah, I loved it, and I liked the fact that it was like this, like he was this... this it was a rag, like he was back to being like this espionage soldier doing like ragtag things, and then at the very end, obviously, he forms up with Anthony uh, Mackie, who plays Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon. Yeah, on your left, on your left. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny opening. Scene. Yeah, I love like that. a cute, quirky scene. On your left, it just keeps running past him. Um, no, I mean, obviously, um, it was so depressing too because it's him getting used. You're also getting Captain America. He's still getting used to living in the 21st century. Um, Stanley's appearance as well. Cameo appearance at the cafe. It's like yes. He's being served by a cute waitress and she like he's flir- obviously flirting with him. He has no idea what to do. And she leaves and he, Stanley just, what are you stupid? Ask for her number. That's from the Avengers. Is that in the Avengers? That was the lead scene from the Avengers. I thought that was in Winter Soldier. No. Uh, but anyway, you have Emily Van, uh, Van Camp as playing Agent Thirteen, Kate or Kate, his apartment neighbor. Yeah, who, who's, who's an agent of Shield, and she's the love Pe- interest moving and forward. Peggy's niece. Yeah, that's a little loose, but whatever. Why? Why you have a problem with that? It just feels like oh, she's her niece. Of course, she's her niece. Really? It's comic books. Of course, family members are pulled into it. That's why I'm saying that. Really, Kate can't. She can be unrelated. I know. But I do like that you get this like this bro vibe between uh, Black Widow and Captain America throughout the movie where they're kind of like talking like, what about uh, Susan in accounting? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> and, lo- and I love that in that scene where like, what are you doing Saturday? Well, all the rest of the people in my Bob Sorber Quartet are dead, so nothing. And he's like, <laughs> as he's about to jump out the jet, like, uh, too scared or whatever, like. Too busy, he jumps off without a parachute. Right. And the actor who was going to play KG Beast in Batman v Superman is like, did he jump out? Did he, does he have a parachute? Nope. No, he doesn't. And it's the Lumion Star sequence. Yeah, but that was such a cool opening on that boat. Yes. Obviously, you got to introduce to the dark, the black, um, the black uh, Captain America suit, which is so much, like, if you really think about it, so much better. Yeah. Like, for everything. It doesn't have to have that giant silver star in the middle that's a giant target for people to shoot at. Unless it's armor-plated. It has to be, it has to be like, like the Dark Knight Returns where, like, well, I think I put a bullseye on my chest. I, this is armor. I want people to shoot here yeah, instead yeah. of my head. Right in the chest plate. Yeah. Do have to shoot three times? No, you gotta shoot three times. You gotta get through the breastplate. Um, <laughs> but, no, it was a great movie. I, I, I love the twists and turns that it went through with the darker tone 
of the movie, the, how they're hunting down Captain America because he's kind of like defect, like they're assuming that he defected. And dis- they defected. disavow him pretty much. Yeah. Um, classic, uh, classic espionage. Yeah. Um, and then you obviously Black Widow throughout the movie, which is by the, by the way, not my favorite look of Black Widow. We, we mentioned like her hair is a little like, there's something off about her in this movie, mm-hmm. but Scarlett Johansson still played a great, still played a great role and she was still fun to watch. Um, as, and not being like geeky sexual here she yeah. was actually entertaining to watch as an actress not as a sex symbol which yes. she still is yes yeah, she's a gorgeous and we'll never take that away from her no still not my favorite actress in hollywood that's right we've had this conversation before we have. um but no it was a good movie i love the twists and turns and i love the how it e- i mean how it ends and how they hydra comes back and hydra is pulling all the strings in washington and because of this we realized that dick senator that's been in every movie is actually a Hydra Asian. Yeah. yeah Hydra oh, Asian. Uh, Gary Shandling. Oh. That's the actor's name. Uh, and he, who recently passed away. And I love that moment where he just leans into, uh, what's his name's here? Like, Hail Hydra. Which became a meme of like, of like, whenever you and your bros start talking secretly. Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> I love in the first Iron Man, uh, Iron Man 2 or Iron, Iron Man 2. 2, where he, uh, Tony's getting like, getting, uh, reprimanded. No, not reprimanded. The getting honored by the senator, and he has to get like a lapel put on him, and he's like, "Ow, that hurt!" Oh, now you know what a little prick feels like. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great line in that movie. It, it was so funny. Like, so you like the Hail Hydra moment in Winter Soldier? It was. I forget which WrestleMania I was watching it. It was. It was myself. Um, my my ex. Uh, my friend Mike and our friend Alex were watching WrestleMania and like the, the Bella twins, like two sisters who are, are um, a tag team. We're always war tag team for a while. I think like one of them, uh, I think Nikki like betrayed uh, Brie and like Triple H comes out and like she signed with the authority and Triple H is kind of looking down and in a very psych- uh, sexually menacing way. Yeah. But, but Alex is kind of tries to like, uh-huh. don't worry, Nikki, we'll give you more clothes to wear in your new outfit. Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, like we'd send that picture back and forth, just like, Hail Hydra, with with his face. Um, I saw this when I was up at school, uh, when I was back in Oswego, and coming off, like, Thor of the Dark World, it was, a, it was a breath of fresh air, and it was so needed, and I, I understand why you probably enjoy it, because it is definitely is, like, the Jason Bourne of the oh, MCU. definitely is. And, like, definitely, to, like, down to the handheld camera work, to the action scenes, and, like, the fact that, like, he's not just a simple brawler, like, punches and kicks, that he's done some training in between the Avengers and here, that he's got a new skill set. Yeah. Uh, Henry Jackman's score is not as good as uh, Alan Silvestri's. Yeah, the, the score is not memorable in this one. No, and it's very Hans Zimmer-like with loud drums yeah. and everything. And but, it, but it feeds into the scenes well. It's just you're not playing it in your head, like the Avengers theme. Yeah, and the fact that, like... A lot of this, people have compared this to The Dark Knight, where we have a much darker tone from the first movie. Um, like but it still the, had its quirky humor. It does. But like you think of, like, there's a musical theme for The Winter Soldier, which is one long, sustaining note. Okay. And it builds and builds and builds and builds into his first introduction, very much like what the Why So Serious track is for uh, yeah. The Dark Knight. Yes. And The Winter Soldier, the, the, shield, the Hydra attack on Nick Fury in traffic. Downtown Washington, D.C. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Awesome. And then how the Winter Soldier 
topples over Nick Fury's truck mm-hmm. and how he just kind of sidesteps the van or the SUV as it goes flying past him. Yeah. Even though Nick Fury pretty much pulls out a lightsaber to cut his way through the pavement to get the hell out of there. Um, and so they, I, told, I told Lucas this thing would come in handy one day. And this is what <laughs> it kind of started the trend of like Marvel characters not staying dead because we believe the Fury to be dead here. Yeah, he was badly injured. Yes, and he played possum. Yeah. Made people think he was dead. And so then we have, we also have Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce, who's the guy running S.H.I.E.L.D., and we find out he's a, a Hydra agent. Mm-hmm. And that the Zola, the Zoloff, uh, the scientist from First Avenger. Yeah, Zola. Zola is a, a bank of commuters in the New Jersey uh, training center where Captain America was. Yeah, I thought him being a... Uh... Him putting his brain into a computer was the coolest thing ever. And it's very akin to his design in the comics. And in the first Avenger, when we see him, we see him through a piece of magnifying glass. And his face is in a square. Yeah. In the first Avenger. That's how it was introduced. Just by like how his face looked like on the computer monitors when we see him again. Mm-hmm. When we see Bucky kind of like starting to question the fact that if he is who he is. And we have the, the huge fight on the helicarriers. The Shield versus Hydra battle. I, I, I mean, I absolutely adore this movie. It's still my favorite of the MCU. Same, and it's insanely rewatchable because it's not just a comic book movie. It's it's a simple elevation of it. It is it is a spy movie. It's something akin to the Parallax View, Parallax View, or All the President's Men. And um, it's very Jason Bourne, James Bond, the first first Mission Impossible, first Mission yeah. Impossible. Uh, just every every. Sp- espionage thriller that you could think of really while still being a marvel comic book yeah. movie and that's why the russo brothers were did a few episodes of community and you mean dupree before he did they did that so it's so strange that is yeah very yeah very very 180 yeah and so after that we go to summer of 2014 where we get guardians of the galaxy yeah so i saw this with you this is correct. Yeah, you're you already saw it, but I didn't see it, and you and I yeah, saw, I it. saw it with my ex. Sometimes, like that's gonna be a running gag thing with I saw yeah. with her. But moving f- into this, I was kind of apprehensive. I did had no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy was. I was like, okay, are they running out of ideas at this point? That was my initial thought. And then obviously the trailer uh, with the, like them like in the lineup, getting their mug shots and everything like that, and like the guard guards, what a bunch of a holes. And then also the fact that. Ugh, What's his face? You have John C. Riley in the movie. I'm like, this is not looking up for me. I'm sorry. That was just my initial thoughts. And then I saw the movie with you. We cried at the very beginning. Yes. Yeah, it was, that was really... Okay, so, like... Okay. I said it before on the movie theater memories episode. I'll, I'll make it kind of brief here. Yeah. Is that before I saw... Like, I saw it the first time with my girlfriend at the time. And then... In between the first view and the second view, my mom passed away rather suddenly, mm-hmm. and I couldn't – wasn't there. Like, it was like we were out of town. We were kind of like – the family was kind of separated from her, and we couldn't do anything. We just found out we are about to go to the beach, and then we, my dad tells us, like, your mother's passed away. And so the second time we're going into this, and knowing how the movie opens with uh, Star-Lord's mother dying, and he couldn't do anything, I'm walking into the theater, and I warn you, the first scene's going to be rough. Yeah, and then the mother is dying of cancer, and I just go, oh, no. Yeah. But 
the next scene when it's adult Starla going after the next Affinity Stone and him dancing with his Walkman is the perfect 180. Oh, yeah. Because if you're not smiling at that point, I know... What much, song was he listening to? I forget which track it was. it Walking on... No, it was not Walking on uh, Side, but I was like, hey, hey... Oh, yeah, 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 you're... That, that is Yeah. Go on. But, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I had a great time watching this movie because this movie was, I mean, it, it, for better or for worse, this movie also changed how the MCU did movies moving forward. Yes. Um, the humor was different and, but it also added, it almost, I feel like it almost also added more practical effects back to it. Okay. Because obviously... Drax, Gamora, practical designs. Yeah. Nebula, practical design. Yeah. Obviously, you can't have Groot being practical. You can't no. have Rocket being practical. But it was still Hondu was pra- was a practical effect as well. Um, so you have that going for it. The humor obviously is so. It, it wasn't like the humor we had in the previous movies. I mean, the previous movies were funny and everything like that. But this was more locker room, bathroom humor. And oh, like an outright comedy. Yeah. Mixed with some really heavy, heart, heartfelt moments. Yes. we In this movie, you really... They did such a great job of having the audience connect to a character. Yes. If you couldn't connect to one character, you were definitely going to connect to a different character. Yes. And these are all... The only person you didn't know was Groot. Do we really need to know Groot? No. You end up fucking bawling your eyes out at the very end of the movie because Groot sacrificed himself, said a third word at we, and died. And you're fucking crying. Yes. Just, we are Groot. It's like, <laughs> self-sacrificing oh, no. himself to save everybody else as this ship so crashes sad. into a planet. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, oh my God, Groot is such a great character. Uh, but it's, and obviously, it's a ragtag team that you have no idea, like who these are, uh, who these people are, and like would these guys make a great team? No, but they somehow make it work, right? And um, my reflexes are, are so good; it wouldn't go over my head. Nothing goes over my head. Hey, princess, listen, I am not a princess. princess. <laughs> that Drax is like he doesn't understand like um, um, metaphor or anything like. Or sarcasm is like he takes everything very literally. Yeah, uh, and played wonderfully by Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper voicing. Uh, Which you Rocket. almost. I'm not a huge Bradley Cooper fan. No, um, but you, you forget that it is Bradley Cooper. Well, yeah, I mean, coming out of the body of a raccoon will do. But that. it's also a, a very different voice yes. from Bradley Cooper. And the fact that like, we find out like when he gets drunk and he gets fight tracks at the when they're at nowhere at the gambling at the casino yeah. and we find out like. Yeah, that rocket's an experiment gone wrong. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. And then we all, we do find out that Drax lost his family, his his wife and his daughter to Thanos. Yeah, which by the hands of Ronan, like under Thanos's orders. Yes, is uh, Ronan the main villain in this? Yes, he is. That's my biggest problem with this movie. Well, there's I, gonna be a lot of problem going forward uh, until recently. It is the biggest problem in the MCU. The villains are forgettable. Yeah. This is another forgettable villain. Yeah. I really had to think, who the fuck was the villain in this movie? Right. It's some goth dude with a chin tattoo. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, somebody made a meme, another meme. It was like, it was because Ronan was in The Hobbit as uh, one of the Woodland Elves. Kate Blanchett uh, was a, uh, it was like, huh, 
stay away from Lord of the Rings characters in the MCU. They all turn to be villains. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else who 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 uh, is a villain in um, the Marvel movies. But yeah, and how different ending, like where like the dance off to save the universe. Oh, that was hysterical. It's right. Like, it's just. It really is distracting him while what they buy time. What are you doing? It's a dance-off! You and me, Gamora! Bring it back! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Zoe Saldana playing Gamora. I think she's fantastic in this, as well as Karen Gillian. As Nebula. As Nebula. And I love the fact that Karen did shave her head for this. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the regeneration of the 11th Doctor into the 12th Doctor, when we see Karen Gillian again, like, that is such a wig. It is. It, it is, is such, it is like... It it's a like, decent. On uh, other terms, it would be a decent wig, in, but it's the hairstyle of a, of like Black Widow from Winter Soldier. Like that's like he, how straight her hair was, was when she little, said yeah. Raggedy Man goodbye, and then he re- regenerates into Peter Capaldi. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, no. Uh, Chris Pratt wasn't like a huge name. He was no, a growing just, name at this point because of Parks and Rec. Yeah, but this was. I mean, this. I, would you consider this his breakout role? Yes. I mean, he became a household name, and he's in like in, he be, was in so many movies. Eventually, led to the divorce of his wife. Yes, sadly. Well, it's kind of a bitch. You heard of what the reason no. why? Because she got jealous that he was more famous than her. Oh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> um, anyway. But uh, it, but overall, it's a fun movie. Uh, you also forget Glenn Coase is in this movie. Yes, as the leader of that planet um, where Nova comes from. Yeah. And uh, Mark Strong is one of the soldiers who's defending the planet. It actually does die in the end. Um, John C. Riley does live. I'm happy about that because I... Well, until... Yeah, until Infinity War. Infinity War. Well... At least half the population is could be dead. He's probably amongst them, though. I thought they just said that that planet was destroyed. Because his modus operandi is in Infinity War. Spoilers, everybody. Uh, spoilers for Avengers Infinity War going forward. Just saying. Um, he only kills half the people wherever he goes. Right, but I feel like he did say he destroyed that planet. Yeah, so I guess we could argue that everybody's dead. Yeah. We don't know yet. No. But, anyway... So yeah, uh, Guardians uh, is in, still in my top five of the MCU. I think it was the nice counterbalance to Winter Soldier, which is such a serious movie, mm-hmm. and nice uh, stark um, contrast between the two. However, going forward, it would kind of muddy the waters a little bit when it comes to the tone um, of the MCU. Yeah, uh, I've said said this here, and I'm going to say it when I do my official video review of Avengers: Infinity War. Is that there's my friend uh, on Twitter, Ray, who hosts uh, Fans of That Boards along with Brent and DC uh, TV Squadcast. He he did his rewatch like the one week leading up to Infinity Wars, and he would, on his blog he'd do a re-review of all the movies. Yeah, he broke it down into these 18 movies in the game of golf. There's the first nine holes and the second nine holes. The first nine movies have a certain tone to it. It's up till this point. Mm-hmm. The, the latter half of the nine movies have a certain tone going forward. Yeah. And it's starting with this movie. Yeah. Because after this, we get to Age of Ultron, which is, I think, a little more comedic than Which that. is a movie I didn't see. Right. And the reason I didn't see is because I didn't care. Huh. But before we get there, uh, favorite scene from Guardians. Oh, oh, uh, what is my favorite scene? That movie was so fun. 
Um, Michael Rooker is Yondu. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, the prison, just in general, the prison scene with them in prison, <laughs> them breaking out of prison. Why would I drag oh, my finger across his throat? No, no, like, like this. Why would I do that? To, to kill him, to cut his throat. I got you. What did uh, what did uh, Star Lord steal from his I, leg? I, leg. I got the leg. You okay. got the leg. You got the leg. I thought you needed it. No, no I, I thought it was hysterical. He's <laughs> walking around with no leg now. <laughs> okay, uh, just in time. Okay. Um, it, it's. I think it's the one. Star Lord says we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, bitch. When they're all holding together and they destroy Ronin. That's a cool. Using, yeah, that was a pretty. I mean, because of his powers of a pretty much a god. Or half a god, yeah, because of ego, yeah, and that's why he's able to survive the full power of one of the Infinity Stones there. Yes, but all right, moving on to there is Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, which, like I mentioned before, I didn't have any desire to see this movie. Really, even despite the first Avengers, even despite the first Avengers, it just really think about the work leading up to it. Iron Man three, Thor, Dark World. Winter Soldier, I mean, Winter Soldier was the only thing that would help me go to this movie. Not even Guardians? But I knew Guardians weren't going to be in this movie. True. So, and just like, I was like, okay. So you're telling me Jarvis becomes sent, more sentient than ever and Tony Stark fucks with something to make Ultron. Well, yes. that's stupid. Well, I guess that's not stupid, but that's kind of stupid. And like, what new, what else am I going to get in here? And then I saw Quicksilver and uh, uh, Scarlet Witch were going to be in. I'm like, so what the fuck are they going to do in X Men? I felt like they got that property and they were so eager to use them, but they don't. They don't use the term mutants in the movie, which is that think that is one thing I, I do appreciate about Disney buying Fox because now they can move forward and use the term mutants. Yes, which is kind of essential in the Marvel universe. Yes. Moving on. And um, actually, speaking of, uh, what I mentioned for fans that border, Brent had a theory of why the Spider-Man is more accepted than the X-Men. I forgot. I got to remember which episode it is. I'll send it to you. He has a great because breakdown. that's always been one of my things. Because they, I mean, X-Men are hated by by New Yorkers, but yes. Spider-Man's beloved. Yes, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it just I had no interest going in to see this movie, and from what I've heard, it's like okay, if I don't see it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. If I do see it, whatever. That's kind of the, ter- the mo- feel that I've got from people talking about it. It's kind of just like you get vision. Whatever. That's it. That's really – okay, this is okay. – and, and, and Scarlet Witch. And Scarlet Witch, yes. but you, And Quicksilver dies. Quicksilver, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay. Woo. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – Sorry, I'm sorry. It's sorry to be so like. No, I'm about trying it, to but... think of like what moves forward, what changes in the status quo there. I mean, because like like you mentioned, Iron Man three kind of ends so was kind of like set up for a Tony Stark ending, but then they kind of forget that they kind of ended that and they just move forward with Tony Stark being Iron Man still. Right. Um. I guess Winter Soldier. I mean, Captain America is brought back under the United States because they realize okay, we, he's not. Not a traitor or anything like that. No. Um, but really, what else happens? From what I've gathered, not that too, no too that, that um, Thor is on it learns to be on the case that the Infinity Stones are being used for something, so he goes off to investigate. That leads into Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Um, the Avengers have moved up into New York 
into Westchester. Yeah. Um, which, in Infinity Wars, is a lot closer to the city than I, than I expected because we do have one shot. Like, when they launched the uh, Iron Spider suit from the facility in upstate, like, Cameron, like, is looking down on the facility, it tilts up with the suit, and we see the city in the background. I'm like, oh, you're a stone throws away. Like, you're near the palace. Westchester is really close to New York City. Yeah, I know. Like, and like, also, let's not forget. Iron Man's suit flew like 7,000 miles per hour to get to him in Iron Man 3. True. So. And yeah. the, and the, but also like the fact like, all right, it's like the Palisades Mall, like, is like right next door to this place. Like, that's how close <laughs> this place looked like it is to this might city. Be. <laughs> I mean, um, so, but my feelings of Age of Ultron, I saw my buddy Matt opening night. It's one of the weird things is like when he was still living here on the island, like he picked me up. We went, it was a midnight showing. And so, like, it was, like, 2.30 in the morning when we got out of there. And I really enjoyed it. I, I know it has its problems. A lot of people have issues with James Spader as uh, Ultron. And the fact he's too much like Tony Stark. But, like, it's the... But ul- I, I get that why he's like Tony Stark. Because, because Tony Stark has made him. Made him. And he's built off the personality of that in Jarvis. Yeah. And so the snarkiness of him and the kind of nihilistic tendencies are there. And... That he has, like, the kind of quips, like, it might have been too much for having, like, two Tony Starks in a movie. Like, that, like, just that combative, like, um, comedic nature. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy the serious tone. I think the trailer for it, the first trailer when we hear, like, no strings on me. Like, the really dissonant version of, like, this, uh... I have no strings, strings on me. Like, yeah. that is creepy. It was creepy, but at the... <sighs> Uh, but then we finally see Hulk versus the uh, Hulkbuster armor. Yeah. Which I think is a really... But, like, okay, in this but, point... All right. 2015, at this point, is post-Man of Steel. And Man of Steel, one of the criticisms is that, like, collateral damages between um, Superman and um, Zod during the final fight in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. There are numerous occasions in Age of Ultimate. We got, like, make sure save civilians. We got to make sure there's no civilians hurt. No civilians hurt. Let's make sure there's nobody in here. Like, okay. Yeah, which we is become, get it. Well, that also does come into play in Civil War, but yes, they're all leading up to Civil War, <laughs> right? Uh, especially in the argument between uh, Tony and Steve on the helicarry in the first Avengers, like big man in suit of armor, take that away. Where are you, a billionaire philanthropist, genius? Like, uh, and then they like put on the suit. They're ready to. They're about to drop gloves right then and there. Yeah. And there was also a scene in this movie where they're like, someone's be, chopping wood, and they have this. Yeah, because. The reason why S.H.I.E.L.D. is broken down is because Hydra is willing to use the helicarriers and this new um, technology to target people before they become threats yeah. and kill them beforehand, including Stephen Strange was on that list. Mm. It's a little, nice little Easter egg in the Winter, Sol- in the Winter Soldier, yeah. <laughs> I just became Jimmy two times there. I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. Um, so, and that's the argument that that... that Tony and, and Steve are having when they're chopping wood. Yeah. Like, if we were able to prevent the war, isn't it justified? And that's when Tony, Steve rips, rips the wood because, like, no, being preemptive like that, innocent people will always die in the crossfire. Yeah, well, the, that was also in uh, Nick... Captain America told Nick Fury that. He's like, when, I thought we were the... like the, Responders. I thought we were, like, the, essentially the policemen of the world. When did we become... Uh, when did we become the bullies? And hey, why do we become assassins? Like, even though and, there's, and then Nick Fury is like, "That's the way the world works now." Yeah, we can't we can't afford to be that noble in their yeah we duties can't we can't point. afford to wait for something to happen. Yeah, and which is like this 
it's a nice tie into world events and stuff like that. Right. It is very evocative of that. And the fact that one of the other things in this movie is that Joss Whedon was meddled a lot with by Marvel. Same thing with John Favreau with Iron Man 2. Like, Favreau made Iron Man. It was successful. He had a lot more restrictions coming on when it came to Iron Man 2. Joss Whedon, he got a chance to make the Avengers. Mm-hmm. When it came to Age of Ultron, he had a lot more restrictions on him. Yeah. And so... It suffers a little bit. Yeah, and that's why Whedon left Twitter for a couple of years because of it. Because it was just like, he couldn't handle it. You see him with the press tour of Age of Ultron. He's a broken down man. Like, he is exhausted. Yeah. And I love, I do like the big fight at the end. And I do, Paul Bettany as Vision, I enjoy. I know you're not the biggest fan of Vision because you think he's too much like Superman. He's too Superman. Right. Because everything he does, he can, he essentially is the most powerful being in the Marvel Universe until we get to Captain Marvel eventually. Yeah. But he, all his limitations are put on himself or his pre-programming by Stark. Yeah. So it's just a little frustrating because it's like, and then he's this noble... Like, let's just talk this out. Shut the fuck up, Vision! There's one more. In, in Age of Ultron, when they, during the party, like, um, everybody tries to lift Thor's hammer. Nobody could. Steve was almost about to lift it. I did. That was in one of the trailers. I remember that. In when Vision is created, against the will of most of the people, Tony thinks, like, everybody, Tony tries to do it again, what he tried to do with Ultron with Vision, and everybody's trying to stop him, and but. Thor saw a vision, uh, a vision that, uh, through the waters of on Earth. I was able to give him a glance of what happens. So that's why he powers vision to become what he does. Mm-hmm. And when they were still unwar- unsure of vision, and he's like, well, we have to deal with Ultron, so I think we should get going. He picks up Thor's hammer and just hands it to him. And everybody's like, All right, I guess we can trust him now. Yeah. He's worthy enough to lift the hammer. I think we should be fine. Yeah. And at one point where Thor is facing up against Ultron himself, who's now in a vibranium body, due to Andy Serkis, who we see later again in Black Panther, from the vibranium that he stole from Wakanda. Same character? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Claw shows up first here, and that's how he loses his hand. Like, Ultron cuts it off. Oh. This is why the things you have to see. Yeah. And uh, his over-the-top South African accent... Um, um, because yeah, he he's Ultron buys the vibranium off that he stole at, at the beginning of Black Panther. Okay, which is weird because like was he sitting on the vibranium for like twenty five years at this point? Well, he was the only guy that was selling it. So I guess. yeah, I guess just little by little. Yeah, and so and at one point like he's fighting Thor is fighting Ultron at the big doomsday device that lifts up Sokovia into the sky and it's going to plummet its earth much like how the asteroid killed the dinosaurs the ice age the ice age yeah. and so like he's like and Ultron has him in a death grip and he's like what are like who do you think you are like I am Thor son of Odin and he goes through all of the, like his steel and he's like all right I'm waiting for you whenever you're ready and Ultron turns around and it's Vision cracks Ultron with the hammer. <laughs> He's like, this is incredibly well-balanced. Well, if it's not, you can't get a good swing out of it. At the end, all the Ultrons are destroyed except for one robot in the woods who's trying to make it out of there. Vision confronts him, and they have this kind of conversation about humanity, which I still really love. And he's, at the very end, Ultron's like, you're insufferably naive. And the Vision retorts, well, I was born yesterday. <laughs> and he zaps him away, and the movie ends with them going their separate ways. Avengers! <gasps> and it cuts to black. We don't hear Captain say Avengers Assemble. It's it's kind of... Well, thank, 
I like as awesome that if if you see that at first viewing, he's like Avengers assemble. Like okay, you'll get a few cheers, but then it's like it's such a douchey line. I like it's it. It's such I, a sil- I mean, it's a very silver, gold, a silver, silver age, age kind of thing yeah. to say. I know, but yeah. All right, so moving on, we have Ant Man. Oh yeah, and so since I've been doing a lot of talking lately, I'll let you start. I was actually looking forward to Ant Man. When they first announced, I remember when they first announced Ant Man, I was like, okay, they have officially ran out of ideas. Yeah, what is. is so good about Ant Man? And then I first saw the first trailer, and I'm like. Where do I sign up? This movie looks awesome. Paul Rudd, so good. Uh, so good. So, so good. good. I so mean, good. I, I, Paul Rudd was amazing as uh, as Ant Man. Hold on, let me get his real name here. Uh, Hank Pym, played by Michael Douglas, is the one who was the first. Yeah, Ant-Man. Michael Douglas was awesome. And I do like how it kind of t- ties back to um, uh, Stark Industries as well. Yes, that Pym Industries and Stark Industries are kind of rivals. Yeah. We're rivals anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Paul Rudd uh, playing Scott Lang, uh, uh, a convicted felon for burglary, just got out. He's like, hey, I have a master's in engineering. How hard is it to get a job? Welcome to Baskin Robbins. If that was not the, <laughs> if that was not the true statement about economics in, in America, I do not know what is. And then he loses his job because they find out because he, they find out that he, he has was a criminal record. Criminal record. But if you like stay, but if you take a take a, a, a smoothie from here, you're not going to hear a word from me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a good because it also sets up. This movie also doesn't have a superhero. It has a superhero tone to it, but not your normal superhero tone. No, it's a heist movie for the foremost. Essentially, a heist movie because the guys steal. The good guys have to steal the plans from the bad guys. Yes, because the bad guys are using the same technology to do horrible things. Yes. Um, They're trying to replicate Ant-Man, the Ant-Man technology. Yeah, which, which Michael Douglas, uh, Dr. Pym, has kept secret for his entire life. Yeah. Um, Corey Stoll, who plays Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket, he was okay. Yeah. If, if you want to see a better performance and watch the first season of House of Cards, he's fantastic in that. Here, he's just like, I am evil, bald businessman. Okay, it is the Iron Man template done again for Ant-Man. Yeah. Including the, the the bald businessman who ends up in a very similar suit to fight in the third act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, them stealing... He had to steal from the Avengers. Obviously yes. him taking on Falcon, which was a great fight scene. Yes. The, the, really, the standout things about this, scene, this movie is the comedy, which yeah. is hysterical. Uh, because it's essentially just a bunch of average dudes t- like doing some crazy shit. Yeah. Um... And Michael Pena. And I knew a guy who knew a guy who told this <laughs> other guy, what did you say? Yes! yes. <laughs> um, th- that was funny. I mean, what's it? Uh, I'm never going to pronounce her first name correctly. Uh, Am- uh, Evangeline Lily? Yes. Yeah, who plays Hope Van Dyne, who's gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Um, she was awesome in this and movie. And who kind of tutors um, Scott Lang to be Ant-Man. Yeah, and eventually kind of falls in love with him. Pretty much. And then, obviously, we're gonna, she's obviously becoming still Wasp in the next movie. Yeah, which does beg the question, like, she should have been Wasp in the first movie. Like, there's no reason to hide the fact that... Other suit. than it just... It, 
It was sequel bait for sure. Yeah, it was sequel bait, and I guess in case this flopped, yeah, it wouldn't be like okay. Because all right, I mean, Marvel I feel does... like the Marvel Studios was nervous about this one. Yes, because they had a different director in line, Edgar Wright, who did the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End. He was initially going to do this. Really? He had he been wanting to do this after Shaun of the Dead. He'd been developing it. That's how long. There's test footage of him that he did. And he wanted Simon Pegg to play Scott Lang. Hmm. Yes. But Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's our way of the highway. And like Scott and Edgar Wright, as we know, in all of his movies, has a very particular set vision of what he wants to do. It didn't jive with them, and he left the project. Not saying it would be a better movie. It could possibly be a better it movie. It just would be a different movie. It would, it would definitely have been an Edgar Wright movie taking on a comic book character. That's why I'm hoping to God that DC will let him, like, let him off the reins and let him do whatever the hell he wants. I mean, hell, we got fucking Steven Spielberg doing a Blackhawk movie in the future. Hopefully. He's producing it and hopefully he'll direct it. Yeah, and the director they got, Peyton Reed. Yes, which I think he did a good job with this. Oh, he did a great job. I enjoyed this movie tremendously, but his... His directing and it's a little weird, interesting. I mean, Marvel will take chances on people who have not done much, like especially if they're coming from TV, which like people he had it, yes. It, it, most people have equated the MCU not really with a cinematic movie. It's like a long TV series, where it's like a lot of storylines there uh, and threads being played through, and it's not like oh we're not doing a movie like oh we're doing another episode we're doing it. like it's kind of like how the serials work. In the 1930s and 40s, that every week you would come back and see a segment of the story play out, and then you come back next week to see the next part. That's how it kind of like the MCU is being being extended here. But but it's interesting to go from the, the guy who directed Bring It On to directing Ant Man. Yeah, which, that's a little like. Which uh, you can commend that the MCU is willing to do that, or you can say, like, oh, they're just being cheap and they'll get guys from doing, like, lower stuff in TV to do this because it's like, oh, they can they can definitely fit into our mold if they really wanted to. And I think this is another movie in the MCU that's not shot in CinemaScope. It's not in widescreen. It's in the taller frame of 185. And I think it's it it's been, it's beneficial for that way. Because of him going down to that tiny size, and he's running down the barrel of somebody's gun and punching them. Yeah. When he's running across like the the table, and you see the model of like the new pen industry is supposed to be, and it's being torn apart by bullets. Mm-hmm. Or the fact where he and his him and the Yellowjack are fighting in his daughter's bedroom on the in the oh, top of the tank engine, and it just falls over, which is like it's, like, oh it's God, so it's intense when they're small, and then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> or the way he he it gets reversed. And Thomas the Tank Engine comes flying out of the house. Yeah, and the, and little Auntie becomes giant. <gasps> Auntie. That is one ugly dog. Scurrying <laughs> around. Did you see the new trailer for the next one? That Not the like, newest trailer. Because at one point you see it behind a drum kit, like electronic drum kit. The, the ant is playing drums. What? And I'm just like, <laughs> somebody made a meme like, "Wow, the whip, new Whiplash movie is going to be very strange going forward." <laughs> Dude, I'm so looking forward to Ant-Man 2. Yes, it def- definitely looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, th- and I saw this in theaters with my ex, and it was just like, we really enjoyed it. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the villain is kind of forgettable. But I think er- I think everybody else makes up for it, especially Michael Pena and his story at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, which, is, which leads to Civil War. Right. But before that, um, I, I love the fact that um, – what the hell is it? Uh, 
Oh, the de-aging of Michael Douglas at the very beginning of the movie. Yes. That was fantastic. That was really good. Like, I'm like... So good, they tried it two other times. Yes. Ooh, not so successful. Well, one of them I think was successful. I think Guardians 2. Kurt, young Kurt Russell, I think, worked. It worked. Yeah, not young Robert Downey Jr. That was creepy. That was on Kenny Valley. I was like... <gasps> well, I was like... Like, if people gave shit to Tarkin in Rogue One, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm I think sorry. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War, like, what is that? Like, what, what is this? A center for ants? <laughs> It needs to be like three times big. <laughs> He's right, you know. <laughs> I can't believe we never made that joke before when it came to it. <laughs> it needs to be three times the size that you cut. Like, cut because in um, the newest trailer, we see the the Pym Industries building uh, grow again. Yeah, I want somebody to do like we need to be three times the size that see the building <laughs> extend. Um. Yes, I think it's a, it's definitely rewatchable. Yes, this is another origin story. And is the comedy a little too much? It, depending on the taste, I don't have a problem with it. I don't. Ha- I feel like it suits the movie. Yes, and the fact that it's a heist movie is def- definitely it's unique in the MCU. Much like that's how we praise Winter Soldier for being an espionage movie first. Mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate here that it's like, oh, it's a it's a kind of a farcical comedy. It's a heist movie. I think it's better for that. Yeah. Uh, favorite scene. Oh, what is my favorite? Scene? <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, when he first be- dons the suit, and he's like freaking out of his apartment, which is still great. Um, and then obviously Michael Douglas talking into his helmet, and he's like, what the- what? like freaking out. Right. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. That fight, uh, I love every fight scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's so creative, going from large, to, large to small, large to small, and uh, especially the fight with Falcon. Different dynamic where he's flying around everywhere and uh, and he's just go shrinking back and forth. It's such a cool fight scene, right? And I was just like, and I'm that man. <laughs> it's like, believe me, I, it's not. I didn't choose name either. <laughs> like it's so like this is that was so cool and so clever. Like just the creativity of of the fight scenes are just great. Yeah. What's your favorite scene? Uh, it's got to be the final fight in the bedroom. And when he goes down to beyond, yeah, like the atomic level, yeah, and him coming back, I think was awesome. Uh, I think that's probably they're going to ex- definitely expand upon that movie. Yes, forward. I think that's where I think because um, I think that's what the like the villains kind of going after for like that the villains done that, and I think it's Michelle Pfeiffer. I think is the villain in the next one. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And actually, I think she just turned 60 this week. Hmm. And so he's a recent poet for me, and she is still gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and so we get to Avengers 2.5, a.k.a. Captain America Civil War. Yeah. You have the floor. Yeah, that happened. How is this 7.8? <sighs> okay, so Civil War, um, I knew going in. It was so much hype. This should have been another Avengers movie. It really should have been. Right. Um, I saw this in theaters with my ex. The only reason why she wanted to come along was because she could. Get, I promised her the largest bucket of popcorn mm-hmm. with a lot of butter. And she sat there and ate the entire thing. And then halfway through the middle of the movie, she started nodding off. 
which is like right in the middle of like the epic fight scene. And you're falling asleep. <laughs> um, so that was one thing. And it was just like, no. But I was excited for this movie because – not for the fact that it's Civil War because I knew the Civil War storyline was going to be 100% different. But the real draw was they're reintroducing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is finally coming to the MCU after it being purchased by so- – like after Sony sold it off to – yeah, Sony still has rights to it, but they've had like kind of an articulation agreement between the two studios. Yeah, so I was more excited for that. That's I couldn't be honest with you. That's the real reason why I saw this movie, simply because of Spider Man. And in that case, I was not disappointed. Tom Holland being introduced as Peter Parker in Spider Man was great. The interaction between him and Tony Stark was amazing and funny and clever. Um, and his introduction was com- just like, yes! I was more excited that Spider-Man and Ant-Man were in uh, Civil War than anyone else. Black Panther 2, yeah, and they introduced Black Panther in this movie, which was awesome as well. But I'm sorry, Spider-Man Ant-Man stole the show. Which I guess is kind of a detriment to the movie that it's, a, it's supposed to be a Captain America movie and he's a background character in his own Concluding chapter of But the trilogy. thing is, Ant-Man and Spider-Man were, had such small roles in this movie. Yes. Um, it really, as the pure essence of this movie, was a pissing match between Tony Stark and the U.S. government and Captain America. Yeah. And, why want you do this? I don't want to do this. It was just like, oh, calm the fuck on! So... Though the fight, final fight scene between Iron Man and Winter Soldier and Captain America was very well coordinated and very cool, it, the movie just fell very flat for me. Gotcha. It was just this another thing where you're looking at it, it's like, okay, they're also it also the political message behind it was being jammed down your throat very early on. Mm. It's like the government needs to control this. The government needs to control this. Too many civilians are dying. Too many civilians are dying. We have to control you and everything like that. So it's kind of like, and then Captain America is like, this is, we're supposed to stand for freedom and everything like that. It's like, okay, I know the American way is the way to go, but this is a little much here. Mm. This is, this is getting a little insane because it's like just bastard bashing the like o- oppressive government censor, like not censorship, but just just oppressive government like infrastructure and everything like that. It was right. just kind of like. <sighs> Did James Cameron work on this? <laughs> is, is this the plot to Avatar two? <laughs> Which I, I I love the fact that people give him so much shit. Like he 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 had guff against Wonder Woman last year. And they said shit about Avengers before this came out, and like and everybody's like getting so up in arms. I'm like. Dude, at this point, you're giving him free publicity every time he opens his mouth. He's obviously doing it for the yeah. attention. And he obviously brings eyes onto his next project. So people are like freaking out, like he said, "What about the Avengers?" Blah blah blah. Like, like he's obviously a lot smarter than that. He's yeah, just yeah. fucking trolling you, yeah. and he's, he's writing articles and 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 hack job pieces about him. It's obviously just like just feeling fire. Like any news is good news in that in that regard. Oh yeah. No, oh, yeah, no, I mean, but, yeah, but, but like I said, I wouldn't say this is a bad movie, it's just a very, it came out extremely flat. Okay. So. And so, I first saw it, I had a very rough experience this first time, so like, it's my lady and I, and we got into an argument on the way in to see the movie, 
it, it, it had a, I was in a sour mood when I saw it, so it didn't help matters. I didn't think it was that. I, I thought it was enjoyable. There were certain moments that I enjoyed it. I mean, even upon rewatches, in a much better mindset, I, I found it a little bit questionable. Like, I mean, best parts about Spider Man um, introduction with Tom yeah. Holland, T'Challa as the Black Panther, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Um, some of the set pieces, like uh, I when when Cap and Bucky reunite in Bucky's apartment, uh, I do find it questionable. Like, I'm not going to kill anybody. Takes a cinder block and crush, crush, cracks it across the dude's chest. I'm like, I don't care if that dude's already. He's dead. <laughs> you took the, the battering ram that you used to break into the apartment. You smashed it into a man's knee. He's not walking again. Never. No. Granted, like, he didn't kill that man. He did pull a Batman there. Like, he is you a trap. You can't kill him? <laughs> you live. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. With, <laughs> in T2, where he kneecaps the uh, security guard. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that. That's fair. <laughs> Um, which I'll get into more details about, like, kneecapping in that movie when we do uh, talk about that. <laughs> when we get there. Yeah. And so I found that a little bit questionable. But I love that moment when Bucky grabs a motorcycle from the dude in the tunnel and then just kind of, like, whips it around the air and, like, and kind of uses the inertia and he keeps driving. Yeah. Black Panther in his suit. And when he has to put on his helmet and not just have the helmet appear. Um I, I, somebody did point the fact that we have Team Iron Man and Team Cap, and even though it's like it's it's like a five on five fight in a giant airport, it looks like it's. I'm Team Edward, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> um, Tom Holland's fantastic. Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, even for a moment. And I love oh the fact God. that like the giant titles throughout the movie look introduced like, oh, we are in uh, we're in Berlin, we're in London. Then we see Queens. It's everyone's like, and <laughs> everybody was just so. Just like elated that moment. Oh my god! Um, it's questionable that Tony Stark put up like, "Hey, this whole movie is predicated on the fact that like he's quite he is mad that a young person died because of the action of his in a battlefield. So let me take a fifteen-year-old into a battle because he needed him. He did need him, he but did, he didn't need him because. And if you want to retort, saying like, "What about Batman, Robin? Batman trained Robin." Every Robin before he brought him into the field. Yes. With the exception of Carrie Kelly, who saved him in the Dark Knight Returns. But the next time they go out, it's after weeks of training. Yes. No, but Spider-Man was doing his own thing at the time. Yeah. And he had the intelligence to create his own his own gear and everything like that. Plus, he had this unique ability that no one else on Captain America's team ever see, right. saw. And they and they hope the fact that, like, he... And he almost got Captain America with the webs. Yes, but, like, also, Iron Man was not expecting anybody to die. No, no, no. He was not expecting the war machine to go down. Which I feel like, as much as I love Don Cheadle, that was a cop out. It, it should have been a little more drastic. What happened to him? He, 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 if he died. However, if he died, so I brought up this retort. If War Machine died there, Iron Man wouldn't have reconciled with with Steve at the end. No, he would not. He would have gone. He would have gone to Russia to kill Cap. Yes, instead of leaving. Him paralyzed from the waist down, yeah. but then Stark Technologies has the miracle, gave him miracle legs. Yeah. New legs. He's got magic legs <laughs> in the words of Forrest Gump. Um, Zemo's plan, like, um, I love how the war, the phrase homecoming is used as the part of the, re, um, mm-hmm. the re-triggering of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, the fight between, like, like Tony... Bucky and, and Iron Man at the bat, the bottom of that silo. Yeah. And the, both of them. The coordination of that was so cool. And we get the, we finally get the splash page of Iron Man firing both gauntlets at 
uh, Steve and Steve uh, recoiling it with the shield yeah. is ripped from the pages of the Civil War comic. Yeah. Um, and I love the moment when, like, when Veronica or Friday, like, analyzes uh, Cap's firing move, uh, fighting moves. We got it. Like, all right, let's kick his ass. And he starts beating the shit out of, to- of Steve at that point. Yeah. It is that it has its moments. It ha- I have of good things and bad things in it. Yeah, I, yes, which I agree with. The good things are good, but it does it does the good things out still outweigh the bad parts of it though. In retrospective, as we're talking about here, of the things we, I wouldn't say it outweighs them because I don't hate this movie. I think it evens it out. Okay. As many good things happen in this movie, there's a lot. There's as many bad things in this movie, right? And it just kind of, and it just does not. The good doesn't outweigh the bad, but the bad doesn't outweigh the good, right? So if you put it on a scale, they're completely. It's fifty fifty. Gotcha. Um, That's why it's like relatively like a flat movie for me. Gotcha. And actually, the woman who confronts Tony at MIT, yeah, and saying that her son is the one who died of Sokovia, and that's what kind of lets it. The MCU is known for not recasting people. Like, you, one yeah. character, and that's it. However, she is the main villain in Luke Cage. Huh. I'm like, I wonder if, like, was it just that the TV studios the, the, and, the t- and the movie studios not talking? That there's the same actress there? Um, spoilers, yeah. Like, Cottonmouth is not, is not the main villain for the oh, entire episode. And, by the way, Crossbones, total fucking cop-out. How he died? Like, you, just, like, a... you, you set him up in um, the end of Winter Soldier. End of Winter Soldier, only to does he get killed? And in... yeah, he blows up, and that's what because Scarlet Witch throws him up in the sky and, it takes and blows the up the building, yeah. and that's why the accords are called into question. Yeah, here. so it's just like they they really dropped the ball on what could have been a very entertaining villain. Yeah, but whatever. So yeah, and Zemo lives. We have Martin Freeman as. Uh, also, I think uh, as a uh, name Ross, um, as an a, a agent that's Everett K. Ross, Everett K. Ross, no loss to Thunderbolt Ross, who comes back in this movie after being absent since the Incredible Hulk. Oh my God, you are totally correct. Yep, that's awesome. When they they write off the he had Secretary of State. Yes. Oh, I didn't catch that until now. That's awesome. Yeah, and so moving on to that, we have Doctor Strange. Yes. Okay. Which is another movie I have not seen. It's very ready on Netflix. I just cannot bring myself to pull the trigger on it. Now, Doctor Strange, I've heard a lot of mixed things from. On the one hand, my friend Nikki, not our Nikki, my Nikki, uh, favorite MCU character, Doctor Strange. Okay. Other people I've talked to said it's a great movie. It's entertaining. The visuals are awesome. The music is awesome. Other people, like you, hi, rip off of Inception. This is stupid. This is boring. What the fuck is Doctor Strange? Why is there, like, why is this whitewashed? Okay. So it's very mixed opinions on Doctor Strange. It's divisive, for sure. But the thing is, I already knew, knew Doctor Strange. I remember when I was a kid on Cartoon Network... Um, they tried to do this thing where Stan Lee would do mo- like animated M- Marvel movies. Right. And one of the things was Doctor Strange. So I watched a bit of Doctor Strange. And it had his origin story. And it ever- stopped watching it soon after that. For- not because I didn't want to watch it. It's just because something else happened. I forget. 
but him breaking his hands, him being a successful doctor, kind of pompous, ends up in a car accident, mangling his hands, and then he becomes unemployed and like wandering on verge of death. And he finds these people, or the people find him, and they heal his hands and teach him the ways of magic and shit. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. So I kind of already knew for him to become the sorcerer supreme. Yeah. So I kind of knew like, okay, these are the points here. I get it. So that's one reason why I never saw the movie Doctor Strange. Yeah, I saw this. I'm flying solo for most of these movies going forward now. Um, yes, I've I have much of a problem with it because it is, it is very much is another origin movie, and kind of like Iron Man done again, where it's just like like oh we have this egotistical white guy who uh, um, has to go on this journey to become who he is, and it's then he becomes the character by the end. And I think the humor is a little too forced for me. I think it, like some of the jokes do not land. Um, what's her name? Uh, his girlfriend, uh, who's in Wedding Crashers, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams is wasted in this movie. I don't think she leaves the hospital in the entire movie. No, she she does show up as apartment once, but yeah, like it's like those two sets are like the only ones she's on. It is Tilda Swinton is like the best part of it. Mads Mikkelsen is another forgettable villain. Mm-hmm. Um. However, like some of the magic, like some of the magic scenes are pretty cool with them flying through dimensions. But like the folding over the cities, like it's very Inception. Like it's definitely seemed like it's a rip off of that. And it's something it's a movie that I really have a strong connection to. So I'm very protective of that. That's a personal bias on my half. Um, if you enjoy it, cool. I will say the ending where Dormammu, um, the big villain of it, um, Doctor Strange traps him in a moment of time. There are Pete's over and over. And over and over again for theoretically it could be like thousands of years. And the whole every time, like, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. And Dormammu kills Strange in, in a myriad of ways over these times. It's like Groundhog Day for like this, like 30 seconds. And eventually he concedes and lets the, um, the world go back to his. And he, Dr. Strange turns back time with the help of the time stone to rebuild Hong Kong. Like that set piece at the end where we see. Because when they arrive, when Wong and Strange arrive in Hong Kong, they've lost. Hong Kong is destroyed. He turns back time and we see everything rebuild itself. That's a cool visual. That I thought was really cool. The scene when the Sorcerer Supreme, Tilda Swin's character and Doctor Strange have a moment right before she dies. She freezes time for, and we see it's a rainstorm. So we see every little drop falling through the sky. We see a helicopter flying by, I guess, like by LaGuardia. And she recognizes, like, she's lived thousands of years and she's like she's afraid of this moment she's she's cheated death because she does not want to know what she's going on if if anybody was willing to protect this realm luckily strange is there mm-hmm. that's a great moment the rest of it i think is really forgettable for me and i know nothing against bendy cumberbatch but i think the writing was just very weak for him in this movie okay no fair enough i mean i i've Listening to you just not like this movie is all possibly another reason why I just never went on Netflix to play. I, I still say it's worth the watch. Okay, watch it once. Probably watch it tomorrow then. Yeah, I, I'll never say like any of these movies. I say the ones you haven't seen. I still say go see them, even if I've had reservations on them. Yeah. Still see them. Yeah, but yeah, it's just. But am I right that this is kind of like a little whitewashed a little bit? You have one Asian guy in it. Yeah, I mean, like that's the, in that, but that's also like. 
like people thought it was whitewashing. Ooh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was a water bottle. <laughs> yes, um, like people uh, uh, accused the the movie of whitewashing because that the source of Supreme was an Asian character in the comics, and now it's a white woman in the movie. People thought it like their rationale why they did it is that because a white guy going to an Asian nation, Asian nation, blah, 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 to be taught the mystical ways. And then it's taking the th- all those ways back to America. Questionable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see the problem with that. And so, kind of making it like kind of like a, a white like, woman teaching. Yeah, and okay. also like it's kind of like a weird like nationality is like I think she said she's Scottish at one point, and it's and she kind of plays as a sort of androgynous because she's bald in it, and it's just like. It's a very safe way of doing that, and trying to skirt around it. Like, there's no way you're gonna get around with without some controversy. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with it. But then again, we're two white white guys, white guys so we're probably not the best people to say that. I am the Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's head just exploded. <laughs> yeah, so I, like, I'm gonna stop the clock on this because I'm like, oh, we're just gonna move on here. Like, I say, yeah, just. Check it out. What's our next movie? Check check, check, check it out. out. Uh, It's Guardians 2, correct? Yep. Did we see this together? We did. Okay. We saw it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which was a little bit of a technical issue when we saw it together. Like, like it skipped a few minutes, or a few seconds, because it's like the, it's a flashback of the 1980s where it's Kurt Russell with Peter's mother. Yes. And it was a little bit like, it was like a DVD, like, buffering like moment. Like, it was weird like that. Yes. I re- yes. Now I remember that. Who did we see that with? It was just us. us? Yeah. Okay. And you're For some reason, I thought I saw it with my Nikki. What? For some reason, I thought I saw it with my Nikki. I could be wrong. I think no, you, I, we had a movie night. That's where I saw it. Right. With her. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little buffery and everything like that. And I was excited going into this because, obviously, you had great, you know, Everything was like, this is awesome. Like, leading up to, like, Guardians of the Galaxy was awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to be awesome. And we kind of, excuse me, we already knew that at this point that they're going to be in Infinity War. Yeah. So we're like, this is awesome. This is probably going to have a lot more setup. It it really didn't. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of self-contained. Uh, it's, it's very self-contained, so it doesn't rely on everything. It has a lot more feed to some, I mean, it has... Maybe a few. Th- it helps still builds up what Ragnarok was going to be. Yeah. Um. So the, at this point, the Guardians are acting more as a team. They're like kind of like this vigilante force that's going throughout the galaxy, doing bounties and stuff like that to help protect the galaxy from harm and everything. Um, for a price. Yeah, for a price, obviously. Um. And yeah, and obviously Peter's father. They meet. Peter's father, which was a big hiccup for Peter that he never knew, um, and we learned that he's a he's a half half god, half human. Um, we get introduced to Mantis. Drax has more funny lines. Yandu has a Yandu's awesome. We I'm cry, Papa Joe. I'm here, Papa Joe. We cry, and the movie it. The more I think back to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I enjoyed it, but it was a little bit of a letdown. Now, is it because we had expecta- too high of expectations going into it? Because of Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one came out of nowhere. 
I, that might be it. That's what my biggest worry is for Deadpool 2. Yeah, uh, the, yeah the, what happened to with Last Jedi is going to happen. Yeah, but, but I feel like, but Deadpool 2, we're going to, they have a free reign of doing whatever the fuck they want. Right, but like then again, we had not seen anything like that ever. Yeah, so like, will the novelty kind of... It might be... wear off. Yeah, because in this one, I think, Tim, you, you're definitely going to bring it up. Every serious moment in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 had a punchline thrown into it. So mm-hmm. we know you cried at Groot, but now you're going to cry a little bit and then immediately laugh. Yeah. And it's just like... So it kind of, so those moments. I like, have very sensitive nipples. And I have I, I have I have famously large turns. And then he's like, "No, take him back to the ship." Ah, my, my nipples! nipples! It's like we could have done without that line. But yeah, okay. funny. Yes, in its own bubble. But in the grand scheme of things, we could have used a little bit more serious tone in the final ending. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that took serious was Yandu's death at the very end, right? Which I think you are, you might have said that it, you felt disingenuous. It was a little disingenuous. I don't know. It's maybe like uh, maybe it was the line like that. Might, that he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Like, like obviously Yandu raised Star Lord more than Ego, obviously, even though Ego was his father. Yeah, but Yandu raised him. Yeah, and, and so I, I don't know. Maybe it's because. I think that's where you and I, I thought it was actually a really heartwarming scene. It, is it, it, it sad, resonated with me. I don't know why. It, it, yeah, I it, it don't think it resonated with you, but for me, it, it worked. I mean, even, yeah. with the, even with the little gnome that they put on his That head. That was a good, nice touch. Because that's how, what was in the, what they, they switched out with him. Yeah, yeah with the, Infinity, with the yeah. Infinity Stone, yeah. Yeah, so it was like kind of like, okay, that's, that's cute. And then like his ashes get thrown into it, and then uh, all the other raiders finally show up to salute yeah. him and everything and so yeah, like, after being yeah. banished because of he kidnapped children i think that's why but then was... rocket sent it out to yes. the word out and the, how he redeemed himself and right. then they honored him so that was that was sweet um, his his magic arrow scene killing all um, the other reavers on his ship that that scene was pretty awesome not yeah. gonna lie with rocket and him and let's not forget baby Groot stole the show if it was just, it should have just been Guardians of the Galaxy, Baby Groot. I think Baby Groot was, I, I think the one scene that Baby Groot, I think, kind of wore on me was trying to find the Finn for Yondu. And like, that, that joke may have taken gone a, too long. Which is a lot of the jokes in this movie. It goes a little too far. However, like, but like him dancing at the beginning when they're fighting the monster, <laughs> like that's horrible. Uh, when they're with the, like, the thermonuclear device on Ego's planet. Yeah. And like he runs away like, I am Groot! Oh, runs away with it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like, like, like does anybody wh- have any duct tape? Why would anybody have duct tape? If anybody w- would have duct tape, it'd be you! That, okay, to me, that joke went on a little bit too long. Like the, like the back and forth? Like, yeah, and them sitting there waiting, and he's like, hey, Josh, do you have it? No? Did you, ask, did you ask Nebula? She was sitting right next to you, but you didn't ask her! Well, I would think that she would like really like cut the crap. Yeah, world exploding, the world eat, trying to consume you. Now, like James Gunn wrote and directed both one and two, and we brought up the fact that like Favreau and Whedon were kind of had the shackles put on them a little bit when it came to their sequels. James Gunn, it didn't seem like he had that many restrictions. Yeah, 
and it could be question raised. Maybe he should have had a little like maybe they should have had like all right. But to me, it almost felt like they wanted to capture the tones of the humor and then the heartfelt moments from the first movie, which the first movie did so well where you connected so well to these characters. Right. This one, they try to have that with the instead of like getting to know these characters, you're getting to know the relationships between characters. Yeah. And that just kind of felt care. You care. Yeah. So, so that's where a little bit fell flat to me a little bit there too, because they're trying, because it was Guardians of the Galaxy for lack of a better word. It was capturing lightning in a bottle. Yes. So they try to capture lightning again. Yeah, and they kind of missed. Yeah, like yeah. it came close again, but it didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think my I think our favorite moment, at least like joke wise, is when or I, I think the moment that hit me is when Ego admits to killing Star Lord's mother. Yes, and Star Lord freaks out and immediately attacks Ego, which plays into something that happens later on in Avengers. Yes. Because of Starler being so hot-headed. Mm-hmm. And when they're trying to escape uh, Ego's planet, and he's like, Rocket, um, I notice this, you people are so freaking weird. Like, of course I'm weird! That's my freaking dad! <laughs> As Ego rebuilds himself. <laughs> and then when he, uh, when Peter turns himself into Pac-Man fighting Ego, more entertaining and more exciting than all pixels and that was in one moment. Yeah. It, it, yes. Exactly. Ah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Guardians who uh, a favorite scene in that. Guardians. Uh. And Kurt Russell's performance. Uh, Kurt Russell was. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying Guardians of the Galaxy Two was a bad movie. It was far from being a bad movie. It was a good movie. It just felt. It just was a little disappointing because they tried to recreate Guardians of the Galaxy One. Yes. That being said, favorite moments of this movie has to... Uh, wow. That final fight scene was so enter- was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had funny moments, it had, act- it had good action, and it had creative sequences, and then obviously the sad part of Yonder dying. Yeah. So that final... Cl- the, the climax was really entertaining. Yeah. I think it might be that scene between Peter and Ego when they realize when Peter realizes what Ego has done and attacks him. Yeah. Or even the scene when Nebula and Gamora fight and they fall into the catacombs where all the the bodies of the children of Ego are, are at. All the bones are there. Yeah. That I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that they did work on Nebula and Gamora's relationship because they don't hate. They really don't hate each other. No, they're both stepchildren of. Thanos, yeah, and have a contentious relationship because obviously Gamora was given more love than than Nebula, yeah, and so, but they also they just hate their father and they kind of like have this is like is the worst sister relationship, um, to times eleven because they're literally having gunship fights against each other, yeah, but yeah, you also realize that Gamora is overly overly strong, where she lifts up the cannon on the, the spaceship and starts firing at Nebula. That's true. It's like, wow, she's really OP here. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes, that was another date night for me that ended with not a relationship. (laughs) 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 
Uh, I think it wasn't opening night, but I think I saw it like opening weekend or the weekend after. And I was pumped. I had my, I was worried, but I was pumped at the same time because it's like, where are they going to go? Uh, are, like, roads? Where are we going? We don't need, need roads. We'll need the Spider-Man. Oh! Um, but yeah, I was worried. Um, because I didn't want this to be Iron, Iron Man. Iron Spider. Iron Man Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all the advertisers leading up to it, everybody was like, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of Iron Man here. There, and, and to be honest with you, this movie had the right mix of Iron Man in it. Yes. So I was really happy with that. Um, Michael Keaton as the Vulture, which different take on the Vulture because the Vulture would steal youth from people. And there was a whole series yeah. where he made Peter Parker a uh, senior citizen. Um, but this time he was more of the vulture as in the scavenger because he's running, uh, Michael Keenan's character, Adrian Tomes, uh, is running a deconstruction business, a cleanup, a cleanup business in New York city yeah. to take away all the, uh, alien debris. Right. After the, the battle in New York with the Jatorian army. Yeah. But then the government says, no, no, we got this. You guys are out of work. And he's like, what the fuck? So that, then he illegally starts taking um, he literally becomes a vulture, a vulture, and ripping off of damage control. Yeah, damage control. Then, then selling the uh, alien tech on the black market, making his own gear and selling it to uh, various, various shady businesses and yeah. stuff like that. Um, At one point, we do see an Ultron head amongst the damage control stuff yeah, that we do. Um, Tom Holland as Spider Man. I loved him as Spider Man. Uh Let's just put it like this. The characters in this movie, all great. The story was a little... left a lot to be desired. Is it... Go on. Because I I don't think I went into this movie expecting too much. I was actually expecting the worst. I was expecting Spider-Man 3. Um... I didn't get Spider-Man 3. It was better than... Uh, it was definitely better than Spider-Man. It doesn't come anywhere near Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2. Um, it might be better than... it. A lot of people hate the Amazing Spider-Man series. I'm an apo- apologist for it because I actually do enjoy those two movies. But it is better than those two movies. Yes. So it's a solid three on this list. Yeah, I think it, like, it probably, from, it's probably the same as you. like Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, this. Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah. Um... There was just something about it that I just needed that wasn't provided. There was just – I don't – and I don't exactly know what that is. There was just a note missed and it's it took away a lot. Um, I like the fact that he, Peter doesn't want to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He wants to be an Avenger. He wants to be an Avenger but he doesn't realize what that means and this whole movie's finding who he is. Yeah. Which is great, which is a really great story. And then obviously Happy blowing him off the entire time to come to realize, you know, Happy was a dick. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tony Stark being being the adopted father figure to, to uh, Peter Parker was another great thing because that would totally make sense. Um I even I love how Tony remarks he sounds. He's starting to sound like his dad. Yeah. Scolding to, uh, Peter when the 
Okay. One of the jokes my sister and I have is that it is always a year, like, not a year could go by without the Staten Island or the New Jersey Ferry crashing. And so when I sent her the trailer for this of, like, Peter trying to hold the New Jersey Ferry together. Yeah. And she's like, Jesus Christ, look, even movies are aware of how, how dangerous this is. Do not get on there. I mean, it's, it's literally being split in half. Yeah. No. I, I mean, there's a lot of cool set pieces in this movie. Even um, though, like, that part, I'm like, oh. Like Spider-Man Two, they're trying to stop the train from stopping. But which people have made the connection to, yeah. Except in that this case, he couldn't handle it. And no, Tony Stark came in and since the day. Uh, welded the two pieces. But back these together. are the parts of the movie I love because the serious parts of the movie I adored. Um, after that, where Tony Stark ye- t- yells at Peter, like the fuck you doing? If you if you need the suit, if you can't do it without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Yeah, and he for- it literally makes him walk home essentially naked. Yeah. The walk of shame. Said, yeah, and um, that scene I absolutely love because also with the fact that it's like he's – Peter's yelling at him. It's like, you're not even in that suit. It's another one of your stupid drones. You can't even – you're too busy to be here. He <laughs> walks out walks like, right out. But, but Peter did have a point. Yeah. Um, and then, I, then the scene – where um, where Peter takes uh, what's her face takes Liz to the prom yeah and uh, we find as soon as at, like he goes to the house knocks on the door we feel happy for Peter and then all of a sudden it's Tombs AG and Tombs opens the door and go like, <gasps> you and you shit your pants. <gasps> And you don't breathe yeah. the entire time he's there. And then and he's the like, car ride. the car ride is awkward. And he's putting it, he puts it together so quickly. Well, he is Batman. He is Batman. <laughs> Come on! You want to get that? Let's get, Let's get that. But then, like, it was like, hey, Liz, do you mind to say anything on the car? I give him the dad talk. I give him the dad talk. And he pulls a, pulls gun. a gun and threatens his life. <sighs> that scene was so well done. Yeah. Like you say, my daughter's life. Uh, that's that's a really commendable thing. Don't tell her anything. Don't get in my way. Bygones be bygones. It, which is actually very like he's actually a very honorable villain. Yeah, and we see that in the end as well, where he saves Peter saves his life, and he can't rat the kid out. No, to the scorpion. Yeah, and when they're in prison, which I'm just like. Like, I, I want Mysterio so bad. Like, that's the villain I am waiting for. But, like, yeah. seeing the Scorpion, like... And we do have a shocker. We have two shockers, kind of, in, in this movie. We don't have, like, the quilt, quilted quilt man version of shocker. The fishnet version. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, but... but I, yeah, Michael Keenan, on point of this movie. Tom All the actors are on point. It's just there is something missing in this movie... That I can't quite put my finger on. Um, I think it's deliberately a small-scaled movie. Like, they don't want to make it seem like it's like, oh, it's him saving the world. I I think just him Him saving New York. Yeah, and there's one robbery. I think it's the right tone. And sure, we do not have the immediate iconography of, like, the Sam Raimi movies of, like, seeing his house in Queens or seeing his apartment. It's an apartment building. Yeah, it's nothing to make it seem too distinct. Mm -hmm. However, that could be our nostalgia for the original movies because we spent so much time there and we just haven't had grown on them yet. 
It, it could be. But there's also nothing, it doesn't, it doesn't pop from it, it's just any apartment building. Maybe that's the point of it, like, it could just be any apartment building, that's where Spider-Man well, could yeah, be. I mean, anywhere in Queens he could have lived as exactly. well. So, I saw this, and uh, I was in a really shitty mood, because I tried asking a mutual friend of ours out, and she turned me down. Yes. And so, I was just like, I, I went there. there. <laughs> you were not there, but it was just the group chat, I told you <laughs> afterwards. But I went to this movie in the hopes, like, oh, It'll make me feel better. It'll yeah. pick me up. No. no. I was angry. When the building was on top of Peter, I was like, fuck him. Let me, <laughs> I, I want him to die. I, I, that was, a, that was a, like a very like... It wasn't like a fuck yeah moment, but yeah. it's like, go, you you got this. But since then, I've watched him repeating viewings, like, and I bought it, and I've watched it over and over again, and I've grown to love this movie. Okay. And the scene between Tombs and Peter, before he gets into the like his... Like, ultra vulture suit, ultra vulture suit. La 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 la. la. Uh, before he takes on the Stark uh, plane, like Stark, up there in his towers, we built the roads. We didn't. They don't care about people like us. We have to fend for ourselves. Like, well, he's really Michael Keating it up as much as possible. Um, there was a guy named Jack, bad kid. That's Hurt people. I like him already. It was that scene. <laughs> he pretty much was doing that. Yeah, if he was crazy, Peter. <laughs> Couldn't hear the train. Was right next to him. Do what happened to this guy, Stark? Made mistakes. <laughs> His life's knocked out. Now you want to get nuts, Peter? Come on. Let's get nuts. Um... He disintegrates his own men at one point accidentally, and he just doesn't bat an eye at it. Yeah, no. Um... Jennifer Connelly is the voice of uh, Karen, the suit. I love that. I, <sighs> I I have a problem with the fact that, like, yes, him and Ned kind of customize the suits for him to be able to operate. It, it does take away from the fact of him having spider powers. But in Infinity War, we... A glimpse. A glimpse. So that my assumption was the fact that he... Um, I mean, he's only 15. Yeah, it's kind of... Maybe like not fully developed yet, or yeah, they're kind 15, of stunted. He, you're still kind of growing. You're still becoming. You're still going through puberty at 15. Yes. You're on the tail end of it, but you know. So obviously that's developing with his age. Favorite scene. <sighs> there was a. There was a quite. I mean, I do love the boat scene. Um, favorite comical scene was probably the interrogation. Yes. <laughs> the Batman's like, dude, I know your voice. You don't yeah. sound like that. I'm not. I know what a girl's like. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. I mean, I'm a man. <laughs> and it has one of my favorite moments in that when they're when they're comparing sh- uh, sandwich shops in Queens, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Ah, oh, that place has too much bread bread in their in their sandwiches." It cuts to a close up of Donald Glover. He's like, "I like bread," and then it just cuts to one shot for the next line. <laughs> for some reason, this cuts that shot like, "I like bread." And, it gets me so excited for Solo because he, him playing Lando Calrissian is just like that's just perfect casting in my in my eyes. Dude, I'm looking forward to him and the uh, Miles Morales. Yes, this, no, this, because this he says his nephew is. That's why it's kind of his nephew is Miles Morales. Yeah, that's the only only Marvel animated movie I'm really looking forward to is that yes. Spider Man movie. Okay. Um, but favorite scene it has to be the boat scene. Yeah, the boat scene, especially the talk between Peter and. Tony. I think it's probably a toss-up between the, the scene between Tombs and Peter in the car. That is a good one. And then when yeah. when Peter's in his homemade suit 
confronting him yeah. before he jumps in the glider. I think those two scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like how they end the movie where he's in the... I want to see how that really plays out. Oh, when Amy what, real Yeah, him standing in the room looking at heroic, looking out the window, and she's just standing in the door and uh, what, what the, the fuck? Oh, oh let's this go. Such a, such a New Yorker way of ending the movie. Yes. <laughs> and of course, the whole theater pops for that at the end. Yeah. Eric laughs at that moment. Yeah. And so, yeah. And after that, we have uh, Thor Ragnarok, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. I did not see this one either. I'm not going to put the timer on for this one. <clears throat> um, from what what I've heard, I have to pick this up the way. It's not on, uh, not on any streaming service. Um, because Marvel is like, in, or Disney's trying to in, in the in the process of making their own. Yeah. So, from what I've heard, this movie was great. It was comic. It was the funniest movie of all three Thor Thor movies. Oh, it was. It was also the most tone different because I mean even looking at like the one the the logo for the movie very 80s um the commercials for it very 80s I mean Thor movie with uh but it's once again you're looking at it going like this is taking everything from Guardians of the Galaxy from it I mean you have a moment you have fucking uh the immigrant song blasting in it 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 it, it comes back in the climax. I know. And, and you also have Jeff Goldblum. Uh, uh, playing Jeff Goldblum. Uh, 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 yeah, I, brother I, of the collector. I, I'm sitting in a chair. Chair. Buying a chair. <laughs> that, that, that That's chaos theory. <laughs> um, but a lot of people loved it. A lot of people that I've talked to really loved Thor Ragnarok. And yeah, after seeing Infinity War, some things were spoiled for me. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't really mind. I also know that this is also the one movie that has the most uh, improv of all the Marvel movies. Oh, it shows. Yeah. I'm guessing you you do not enjoy this. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell us, Tim. Tell me, Cuckoo Clock, what is your issues? It is... It is so silly... It does not take its protagonist silly. It like it is like protagonist. Protagonist. Did I say that? You yeah. said some uh, iteration. Poor protagonist. Poor articulation on my part. It's been like almost two weeks since I've podcasted, so like my voice is not not as uh, used. It's been as, one week since you looked at me. Check it to China, the Chinese chicken. chicken. <laughs> have a drumstick and your brain starts ticking. Watch next pause with the songs up. Uh, I'd rather sing Bird Naked Ladies to talk about it's this movie. One reason to look to me. Touch your hands and angry. Drop to to say you're crazy. Of course, I'll make a mad films. Okay, I'll make films. But they did have a samurai. Okay. So, yeah, I think it leads too far into the comedic side of it. Um, there is one moment when, um, uh, how, when Thor is captured. Okay. Thor is zapped with electricity several times and incapacitated several times in this movie. Well, that, the, the, he was incapacitated several times in the first movie with tranquilizer. Yes. And do you know what happens in this movie? He becomes the god of thunder. But wasn't he already? Yeah. Is but no, it's like it is like four times he is incapacitated via electricity, and I'm like, this should be doing nothing to him. It, it is uh, 
Andy Hopkins walks off to the sunset. He he, he uh, Odin dies. Loki uh, is pretending to be uh, Odin. He's having a, he has a play of going on of uh, their relationship where Loki saves Thor. Uh, Matt Damon plays uh, Thor. Uh, Sam Neill plays Odin. Yes, I am not shitting you. Um, Matt Damon was in this movie. Matt Damon plays a, a fictional version of Thor on in Asgard. <gasps> Sam Neill's in this movie. Yes, he plays Odin uh, at one point. Uh, uh, Loki looks like Tommy Wiseau at one frame of it, but he's like he turns like. Like his hair and everything, so he looks like Tyler Rousseau. Um, the Hulk versus Thor fight, fantastic. Um, it's a fun for work. Yeah. Um, Which is apparently um, another ab-libbed line. Yes. The the character of Korg, like the big rock monster, I think he's funny. He's actually voiced by the director. I think he was hilarious. I think his stuff works. Thor, I mean, Hulk is a moron in this. Like, you're the tiny Avenger, and you're the stupid Avenger. That Like, Valkyrie is badassness. I think she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Blanchett is kind of wasted because she's a one-note villain as Hela. Um, Who is Thor's sister, right? Yeah. And, like, what it turns out is, like, there was the firstborn and that a lot of the realms that Odin controls was worn, was won on the battlefield between Odin and Hela. Um, Asgard is destroyed. They caused Ragnarok in order to stop um, her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Urban is here, has the execution. He's kind of wasted. Uh, Aegis Elba gets to do a little bit more, but he's kind of wasted as well. Um, Thor loses an eye. He finally becomes the God of Thunder. Yeah, it ends. I got there late, and I was kind of happy I did. Because I heard, like, the opening is just, like, more, like, just joke on joke on joke on joke. And, like, there are certain... I'm not going to say it's, like... I'm not saying I don't, like, enjoy humor. I can at, there are certain moments between Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth. It was funny in this. Yeah. But just I think it's just too much. It's too much of a good thing. Yeah. And it was, it was totally doing the Guardians um, formula. And then, like, the director doesn't talk to me to do a Star Wars movie. And I am I am terrified of it. That will keep me up at night if he gets a Star Wars movie. Well, solo movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord <laughs> Miller. Well, uh, yeah. There was too much comedy. So they fucking fired him and brought him Ron Howard. So, yeah. If- um Side note, if Ron Howard directed from the start, I think I would have more faith in the movie. Yes. But also, I think I think I'm still going to go see it probably opening I'm night. I'm still seeing it, too. It's just I'm... You have trepidation going into it. A lot. Yeah. But, yeah, that's my feelings of Thor. I still say see it. Make it. Make up your own mind. Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. There is one moment when... When Thor is captured, and he's kind of like he goes, he enters the Stargate, and he does scream like a little girl, and it just jump cuts to him sitting in front of Jeff Goldblum's character, and it's literally like ah! it cuts to a throne room, but he's still screaming. That joke is funny, but it works in the context of the movie. But yeah, Thor Ragnarok, not my, not a fan. The You're not going to be happy about this. Uh-huh. Uh, so next movie is Black Panther. Yes. IMDb gives Thor of Ragnarok a 7.9. Uh-huh. Black Panther 7.7. Uh-huh. No, yeah, like, like Rotten Tomatoes, like, even though I have a problem with Rotten Tomatoes, like, Thor of Ragnarok is certified rest fresh at, like, 92%. Avenger Infinity Wars is, like, 86%. Yeah. <laughs> but clock is rolling on Black Panther. Well, because people are... Oh, we'll talk about Infinity War when we get to it, because yeah. I already know a lot of issues... Not with me, but with other people. Yes. Uh, Black Panther. We saw it opening night with Nikki. 
Yes, our, our Nikki. And uh, hope you keep me track at home, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest with you. This was another movie where it's like this could go either great or horribly wrong. Mainly because it's a mainly all black cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, black director, screenwriter is also the director. Mainly a black black screenwriter, um, both Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. Yeah, wrote the movie, so it's entirely a black movie, start to finish. And I was so delighted that this had a fresh tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a great tone, great story. Yeah, um, arguably the NCU's best villain. Yes, because you understand where he's coming from, and you're like. You're almost like, yes, he's doing dastardly things, but you're like, I get what you're coming for. You get it. I kind of, if he wins, I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, because, yes, like, it's he, Wakanda will rule the earth, but, like, it is like, he's totally, almost, I want to say justifiable. It's it's almost justifiable. Yeah. What he's doing is, like, almost justifiable. Yes, he's going about it kind of the wrong way. Yeah. But... It's it's fine, and there's just, just the confidence exuded by Michael B. Jordan is fantastic. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he is great. Nikki, our Nikki, did have some issues with Michael B. Jordan because she just couldn't see him as a villain, right? Um, but I thought he did excellent. The makeup that on him with oh all yeah, with the, all the, the scars scar as a, as a victim of his, yeah, like wow, that was cool. Um, I'm honest, the story was great, the CGI was great, the characters were great, especially. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, his sister or his sister Shuri. Shuri, she uh, was great. <laughs> Love interest was a little forgettable. Yeah, um, because uh, Nakia, the, yeah. uh, the general of the Royal Guard, stole the show. Like, like I want her to be Avenger now. Can we have her part of the I team? Mean, she was a huge part of Infinity War. Yeah, like I want her to be like official part of the Avengers team now. Y- yeah, uh, she might have a bigger role in part. Uh, in Hopefully, War Part Two. Um, yeah, no, but the the cast was great. The costume design was great. Every, I, the music, music was it was so memorable. Yes, but heavy drums, but it wasn't Hans Zimmer drums. No, it was like African tribal drums. Yeah, it was very evocative of where they are. Wakanda looked awesome. Like you wanted to spend more time there. Yeah, it, you really did. Um, the, the joke, the jokes landed home. They yeah. were funny. The intense scenes remained intense. There was no, we're not gonna undercut it with the joke or anything. The only time they undercut it was the joke was the opening scene where he falls in and it's like, "Don't freeze!" I never freeze. And they beat the crap. Everyone's like, "Hi!" <laughs> <laughs> and it's he froze. No, you froze. It's like really, yeah. oh, okay. but. Um, I mean, yeah, you could make you could add in a lot of Lion King jokes, which we, we made, we yes. did, but it's, they were almost a little unavoidable. Yes, um, but overall, the movie was so entertaining, and it easily cruises to my top five best MCU movies. Yes, it it was that good. It almost takes it. It might even be number number two or number three on my list because right. it was that good. Yes, and yeah, because like obviously, like we saw we saw it together, and like. And we had possibly one of the worst theater experiences ever. Yeah, and the movie uh, a little, outshined little, it. Yeah, which is which is tough to do. I, there was a lot. There's a lot of like about Black Panther. I mean, uh, even like there's not many recurring characters. Obviously, uh, 
Martin Freeman comes back as Everett K. Ross. Yes, and so and we have a reunion of the Hobbit with when <laughs> when Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman come face to face. There's a lot of reunions of the Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sister, my precious Hobbit says, uh, "What's in um my pocket?" <laughs> No, I'm face acting right now, so I'm not going to have a lot of dialogue, but I'm going to do a lot of squinting and the mm-hmm. nodding and head jerks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and any behind-the-scenes photos of Martin Freeman just flipping the bird. <laughs> but yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, no, it, it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun, this yeah. movie. And I'm really happy that it did well. Um, so what was my favorite scene of this movie? Uh... <laughs> um, I think the chase through China was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of, with Andy Serkis. I'll send you my I'll send you my SoundCloud link to my music. He was he, Andy Serkis was amazing. <gasps> I made it rhyme when he blows up the casino. Yeah. <laughs> Though I'm going to be honest with you, when they entered that casino, it felt a lot. Like Skyfall. Skyfall. I thought I was, I, I was like, waiting for the Komodo dragons. Yeah, I was like, like, wow, this is, this is like maybe it's because it is amber tinted casino. Yeah, in an Asian nation, yeah. in South Korea, it's rather than everything was Macau. Yeah, in Skyfall. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, wow, this is very much like Skyfall. Yeah, so that was the only thing, but it was still the 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 whole thing when they were in China was a lot of fun, start to finish. Yeah, um, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say other than it was really good. I mean, yeah. Um, my it's a tie actually between between when when Killmonger takes the eats the herb and mm-hmm. sees his father. Great scene too, by the because way, because his father's disappointed. And he's like, "Yes, like I taught you, like this is what we have to do, but like you're going about it all the wrong way." And Killmonger is like, "He's not going to deter that." Yeah. And, and how it cuts back between the boy and the man talking to yeah. his father. And then when T'Challa takes the herb a second time and he scolds his father for doing this and he should have brought the child back to Wakanda after killing his father. Fault. This is all your fault. Yeah. And then how he realizes that the isolation um, mindset of Wakanda is just hurting them. Yeah. And that's what he decides to kind of reveal themselves to the world. Which, by the way, you, you pointed this out to me. Killmonger's father... Is actually the one doing the introduction, that really cool introduction with the sands, the moving sands, explaining yes. the history of Wakanda. Yes, that was gorgeously done, and so, and then you're blo- mind blowing when you realize that's Killmonger's father. Yeah, I, I think it's up there with like I love the history lesson in Wonder Woman. Yes, I, in the picture book and hearing about the history of everything. Yes, that was awesome. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, awesome, awesome, because like. Not into tentacle porn this time around. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, all right. We've reached the end. Nice knowing all of you. Yeah. Infinity War. Infinity War. A communication kerfuffle um, led us not to watch this together. Yes. I take responsibility for that. Good. Okay, now back off. <laughs> back up, back the fuck up. Oh no, like I, I, I probably will still get into Nikki's face over that, but like, oh, I wouldn't. No, no, <laughs> no. 
I'm dumb enough to argue with her. We know this. She will rip you to shreds with her tongue. Yeah. So, with Infinity Wars, you saw it with Nikki. It was a last-minute thing. I bought my tickets in advance, and I it was a Thursday night, and I'm like, it was only a 7 o'clock showing, and I know Nikki works Thursday nights, and I'm... It's really hard for me to get anywhere before 8 p.m. I had something at 8 p.m. that night, too. So yeah. Nikki and I saw, and her sister Bree saw it at 10.30. Yeah. And since it was a longer movie and it was starting late, I was like, I, I was going to be dead the next movie. Month. It's like two and a half. It felt like it felt like almost three and a half, to be honest with you. But in a good way. Yeah. Where is the runtime? I think it's 150 minutes. Uh, but it's the only nine-star rating on imdb but it's still young so yeah so i loved it yeah i it really was i think it really lived up to the hype and maybe even exceeded it which is somewhat like you thought it was an impossible task yeah because you have a little obviously you go into these with like oh last time they had all these people together was captain america civil war yeah that that wasn't that good yeah so you're kind of like, okay, well, what are we going to see this time around? And, oh, my God, it blew me away. It was so much fun start to finish. It, it seemed like the Russo Brothers went back to, like, the tone of Winter Soldier. Yeah. Which it had humor sprinkled throughout. Some jokes landed, some didn't. I mean, this is funnier than Winter Soldier. It had a lot more jokes than Winter Soldier. But the fact that they... needed. Lo- but the fact that they... Yo, know, it was so needed. But the fact that the serious moments, they let breathe. Yeah. And Except for bubbles, you see, I didn't take, I didn't find that funny. At least the first time, I didn't find it funny. The second time, we saw bubbles again because there's a second. I still, t- I know he used it like three times, turned something into bubbles like two or three times. Yeah, I, I didn't find, I didn't laugh at all. Like, the- like Gamora's trying to form like stab herself like, to yeah, commit to suicide, yeah, to prevent her being thrown off the cliff to, to giving give him the Infinity Stone. Yeah, the Soul Stone. I was didn't find that funny at all. I think if it was a different element, like, Bubbles, like, uh, you know what went through my mind? Fucking Bubbles! <laughs> Would you have preferred fucking confetti? Fucking love confetti. It could have been turned into, like, <laughs> I, uh... It's <laughs> 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 a party favorite that shoots out of her. <laughs> uh, come on, imagine if, imagine it just turned into a squeaky toy. <laughs> All the momentum lost. He's not crying... For tears about himself, he's crying for tears about you. And that's... Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed it. He's right. So I was right in a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like the humor was good. The serious moments were excellent. Uh, Strange and. Stark were fantastic together. I was really worried about the pissing matches between some of the he- heavy hitter characters. Um, initially, I thought, okay, the, like, I don't, didn't, obviously didn't see Doctor Strange, but the few minutes of, what, like, the first two minutes of watching Doctor Strange, and like, oh, they're going to butt heads, which they did, but it didn't get in the way of anything. No. And then I was worried that Star-Lord and Tony Stark were going to butt heads. It did. It got in the way with a lot of stuff, but not in the plot of the movie. No. It just got in the way of how things went. Which I thought, like, like the Guardians, like, humor, I think, was a little much at times. I mean, I think Drax was, um, for the most part, worked and everything. But, like, yeah. like, 
I don't know. Like, uh, like I'm invisible. Maybe it could have It could have been cut down a little bit. It, it could have been, but it was actually. I thought like the humor was well. It didn't betray their characters. I'll say that. Yes. Yeah, no, it did not. Um. I, I, Peter Parker was great. Uh, Spider Man was great. Uh, I could have. I really could have used a little bit more Black Panther. To be honest with you. Yes. Um, I think it's because we're coming off Black Panther. I think it's why they're like, all right, we can pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, uh, Winter Soldier barely was in it, so I was happy about that. Um, well, I was, but when him, when Bucky picks up Rocket, oh, and they, this, for the three sixty, and they fire in all directions. I do like how much for the gun, not for sale. How, how much, much for the, the arm? arm? Walks away. What well, arm is mine? I'm just steal it off for you. <laughs> um. Moments that like that I loved, like seeing the Red Skull come back. Oh my god, that was like <gasps> holy it, shit! Like, like there was a verbal gasp in the theater when uh, the, I his internal reaction when Peter Dinklage is the dwarf. I, I, you know, I I was like, oh my god, that's Peter Dinklage. It wasn't like the great like uh, like a uh, crowd like <gasps> no, but I was like, oh my god, Peter <laughs> Dinklage is a giant. Yeah, um, uh, several fuck yeah moments. I mean, like Peter- when. Thor comes to the battlefield oh. with Storm uh, Breaker. Yes. He bellows, bring me Thanos! Like, it starts fucking... It was so, for me, it was so refreshing to once again see God Thor. Yes. that There was no definition, no mix, if, ands, or buts. That was God Thor. Yes. And it was kind of funny. Ugh. So you grew a beard like me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my friend, Tree. I, I am Groot! Groot. I am Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they... <laughs> the shield, the shield bubble of the Phantom Menace, Wakanda uh, shield. <laughs> um, when they open the shields and the army starts charging them. I love how Black Panther and Steve Rogers are the two fastest people. Yeah, they're essentially racing each other to get there. Uh, which I thought like Bucky could have probably kept up as well. Yeah. Um... Hulk being manhandled in the beginning. Yeah, but that... I mean, I guess that that's set up for the fact that he, Hulk didn't want to come back and fight. Because he's terrified yeah. of Thanos. And I, I hate What the, do you mean, no? You stupid green! <laughs> like, a final screw! I didn't mind your green asshole! Um, Which, okay, that's my biggest thing. They can say asshole in this, but they can never say asshole in any of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, I guess they... Like... They skirted by it. It was like it's like a hole. There's like a hole. When you say a hole or like f this or yeah. whatever, it's so like not natural. Like it's, you could have dropped an f bomb during this. One f bomb. One f bomb. Per PG thirteen. Yeah, I think it could have worked. I think they even said f this at one point. Yeah, like it's like ugh. no. Star Lord calls Thanos asshole at one point. When when men yeah, but like in Guardians him, Guardians one and Guardians but, two, they couldn't they could say every other curse word but fuck an asshole. But I, I understand saying a holes for the trailer. Yeah, but in the movie, I think you could have done that. Take and say you said what about assholes. Yeah, and um, then even the opening up Guardians of the Galaxy two. Okay, a holes. It's like, is this really necessary? Yeah, uh, like, um. But anyway, um, back to Infinity War. Captain's reintroduction, catching oh. the spear. Of, of the child, the children of uh, Thanos trying to capture uh, uh, Vision and uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then when he walks out of the shadows and he like done, 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 done with the Avengers theme, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, 
There when a- everybody disintegrates. When Thanos wins. It was it's crazy because the guy be sitting behind Nikki and I started bawling crying as soon as they started going. He started really crying heavy when Groot went. And then I think most of the theater lost it when Peter was going. Yeah, because Peter's like, Mr. Stark, Stark please, I don't, don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it's like the whole – and then obviously Tony's watching him go. And Tony has like these father feelings for the kid. And, and it's like – it's ah. – And like it, it resonates for us because, A, we're Doctor Who fans. So that phrase, I don't want to go, yeah, yeah. Just like, it's but, like – But Spider-Man's – Is us. He, he's us. And he's – He's my childhood and everything like that. And seeing Peter go, it's just like, no, no. And then like when he's, when Tony's sitting there rocking back and forth under the realization of what just happened. Yeah. And so, but 14,605,000 variations of the timeline, only one survived. And I think this is Strange's plan. Strange said there was no other way. Yeah. So Strange, yeah. Um... I mean, I don't have many problems with the movie, but one of my th- one of the people I were talking to had that that was their biggest problem. Doctor Strange used a time stone in the like in his movie. Why couldn't they use the time stone here? Well, now that you brought it up, this could be the, re- the reason why is because he knows how this is going to turn out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you could use the time stone to stop Star Lord from from getting like from my my biggest issue with that scene is that like Stark and Peter have their feet planted on the ground trying to yank it off. Yeah. Tony, turn on your um and just yes. and just yank it off. Yeah. But there was we, more we, desperation in the the way that was set up. Yeah. The, okay, you can nitpick. Yeah. The, but the strange and Thanos fight when it's just the two of them duking off and like yeah, that was every trick at him. That was cool. Because, like, he's the only one really capable of being able to defeat him. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think Thanos is a great villain. Yes. I know people have trouble with it, the fact that they gave him a sympathetic backstory that he should just be pure evil. And, like, the one-note villain could have been appropriate here. It could have been. I like the way they do this. Yeah. Because guess what? In a fucked-up, twisted way, you get it. Yeah. Because... He has a really good argument. That, that, that there's a finite amount of everything that the universe has stopped expanding. Him crying, though. I bought it. Okay. I get it, and I know a lot of people have like a little problem with it. I don't have a problem with it personally, but like I understand why people will have issues with it. Um, I think another big issue with a lot of people is the fact that Thanos wins at the end. Which I kind of figured was going to happen because it was a two-part story. I didn't actually, to be honest with you, I didn't know that was going to be a two-part story. I went into it under belief that it was just your normal one and done. Yeah, but but I'm happy the way it ended. Thanos won. How many times do we see the villain win? Hardly Ever. never. Yeah, it's like it was like Arrow season one. The villain, well, John Barrowman wins at the end, pretty much. He gets what he wants, and like everybody's like, "Oh, wow, I guess that's it." Um, now, the funny thing is, the original plan for Justice League was it was going to be a two-part movie like this. Okay. And what the rumor has it what it was going to be is that Lois was going to die in the end of the first Justice League. Okay. Superman snaps, after being resurrected from that, joins Darkseid. Gotcha. And so the nightmare sequence that we saw in BVS 
was that was going to be a lot, a lot what Justice League 2 was and what the plan was trying to go back in time and prevent all this happening. Ironic, that's what it looks like this plan is for Avengers. That this timeline's going to happen, they're going to have to turn back time because we have the time zone and the reality zone is in play here. So that's why they're going to do it. It's ironic, it's also funny that it's mostly the Phase 1 characters are the ones that are alive. Mm-hmm. That they, they may not survive the when we change the timeline back. Yeah. Or rebooted somehow. But, yeah. So that's... And we kind of look forward to Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then yeah, Avengers... Which I'm interested in how the Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to play out. It has to, obviously, be four. Yeah. This I, happens. I, I wonder if it's going to end. Like, it's going to end like, hey, it's going to be fine. Then all of a sudden, people start disintegrating around him. Yeah. And then, obviously, Captain uh, Captain Marvel, is it going to be a standalone Captain Marvel movie? Or is it... It has to be a standalone Captain Marvel movie. And it's going to tie in with this and how she's Nick Fury connect context her via pager of all things. We were saying in that delete scene where he like everyone's disintegrating. He goes pages and he looks at his hand and goes motherfucker. motherfucker. And Nikki and I are leaving like how much money do you think he gets paid to say motherfucker? More than we'll ever see. Probably. It's like three three million dollars per motherfucker. <laughs> So, but final thoughts on the MCU thus far? It's it's mostly good. Yeah, uh, I can't say it's it's far from perfect. I, I think it's like a B minus. B B minus. Yeah, I, I lean more towards the B than yeah. a B minus. So eighty five out of a hundred. Yeah. So I think it's changed Hollywood. It's changed how movies are made, which for better or for worse. Yeah. Um. It's. Something that they're they're keeping well ahead of DC. Yes. Um, which DC, they, they they had six years on them. Yeah, but DC's still struggling tremendously. Yes, but they, I think they've they're gonna learn their mistakes with Justice League. There was there was a lot of internal scuttlebutt that the reason why they didn't push back Justice League is that at least the rumor has it is that it would have affected their end of the year bonuses. Well, that's stupid. Because it was so, I mean, you should have just, they should have just had Wonder Woman that year. They should have taken him a little bit more time to figure out Justice is, League. Yeah. Justice League. And then we've had Justice League and Aquaman this year. Yeah. But, I think I think it would be okay with that. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not, in DC, Wonder Woman's their best move. They're in, their D, in the DCU, Wonder Woman is the best one they have so far. Arguably. Arguably. Because that's not my favorite of them. Okay, it, by far, it's mine. Yeah. But um, in a commercial sense, in a critical sense, yes. Yes. I would say that. Um, Personal taste, I lean elsewhere. But, like, yeah, but there's so much more, more movies for Marvel, but it's also because they they stuck with a tone. They changed the tone slight, like, jet, like the tone shift between before Guardians of the Galaxy and after Guardians of the Galaxy it's there, but it's not like an egregious, not like egregiously like different. Yeah, it tone shift from Man of Steel to Suicide Squad, completely different. Yeah, and it shows, and it's a little jarring. Yes. Um. So I mean, DC is still trying to figure out what their their but tone I, is. And the thing is, like with Aquaman, with Shazam, Wonder Woman two, I have. Complete confidence of what they know, what they have to do. If they stick to me, if they stick with the tone from Wonder Woman, it'd be awesome. I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, because that worked. Yes, 
And how like Shazam Shazam's being described as a a superhero version of big. The Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, that because that is. Yeah, and I think it's a perfect way to pitch it. And Aquaman, it's like it's Star Wars underwater. I'm fine with that. Get Gunga City out of your head right now. It's not Gunga City. I'm just thinking of like the the trench from the <laughs> Call the <laughs> Call the Fish Author. <laughs> Arthur, your targeting system's offline. I don't need it. The funny thing is, the first arc of the New 52 um, Aquaman was called The Trench. Oh, God. And it was because there were, there were, like, these humanoid fish creatures that, like, solely eat. They're, like, even if they're not hungry, they just consume yeah. everything. Like, much like, they have, like, piranha faces. And James Wan, who's a horror director, like, The Trench is involved in this, so... I expect at least a few jump scares with these things in there, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, it's mostly good. There are a few moments that we've had problems with, but for the past 10 years, these movies have brought so much joy to us. Yeah. And it's, it's spread out into, like, the Marvel Netflix stuff and other TV series, and it's just odd that, like, Marvel comic-wise has been kind of suffering, yet DC comics-wise has been doing so much yeah, better. Yeah, DC comics has been doing well. DC animated movies have been doing well. Marvel t- Marvel TV has been doing well. Yeah. And Marvel movies have been doing well. So it's funny because, like, the traditional media and the animated media, the hand- the drawing, the art media the- yeah. is doing better on the DC side, but the live action media is doing way better on the Marvel side. Right. So it's in- it's interesting because you- in flip-flopping it, it doesn't work some- yeah. for some reason. It's strange like that. Yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, Deadpool too. Yeah, looking forward to that. Captain Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> Why is it dark and serious? Was this a DC movie? Yeah, I love that line in the trailer. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a metal arm. So I'm trying to CGI a mustache off his face. <laughs> oh, which I love when Henry Cavill shaved it off. He made an Instagram post of like yeah. set to a Sarah McLaughlin song when he got rid of it. Okay, <laughs> just like when the road in slow motion of him cutting <laughs> off off his face. That's clever. Um, I also love the fact that the the the, the, the Deadpool macaroni cheese microwave commercials. Yes. you're one of my dreams. <laughs> you see all this, stuff, and like it's like Dead, seriously Deadpool selling out. Of course I am, because <laughs> like of uh, any hero. He's the one that's, that will sell out and yeah. have zero, give zero fucks about it. Yes. But, so. um, yeah, if you want people to follow you on social media, Dakota, where can they find you? Oh, God damn it. Um, so you can find me at dwdrawings.deviantart.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at dwegan91, as well as dwpepe underscore art on Instagram as well. Uh, the, my D, the dwegan1... Um, is a private Instagram, so don't feel bad if I don't follow you back. But, yeah, you can find me at those three places. All right. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2, my Instagram at TRooney1012. My other podcast, Please Rewind, part of the RF4RM uh, podcast network, where myself, Guy Milks, and Jamie Drewley were looking at uh, older movies on their kind of near their anniversary years. And... Follow my YouTube page, Through the Lens Productions, where my recent video is a review of A Quiet Place, and there's actually going to be a longer kind of video about Avenger Infinity Wars. Uh, Infinity War, I should say. 
And, uh, yeah, if you like this uh, podcast, leave us a written review and a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps uh, get the word out there. So, Dakota, thank you for taking time every night to talk Marvel with me. Yep, I'm glad I, I could talk Marvel. Yeah, it's something we don't do enough of. And the funny thing is, like, even with the time limit, I'm sitting here like, all right, we need to go into depth for most of these movies. Yeah, we got to do each movie individually. We also have to finish off the Spider-Man series, Tim. Yes, we do. And the Jason Ford series. Yes. What other series? Well, <laughs> I'm here. I don't know where you've been. Uh, I've been here, too. Uh-huh. Uh, fuck off, Gandalf. <laughs> yes. Hope everyone's enjoyed this. this <laughs> extended uh, podcast review of the MCU. We'll talk to you soon. Bye!